Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. I would ask that viewers at home turn their volume down because I might get crazy. Welcome to the zoo. We are the monkeys. His delivery doctor was drunk, left three extra inches of umbilical. Gary Hoffman. He's blind as a bat and drunk as a skunk. Shannon Farron. You got to be. If I wanted crap shoved down my throat, I'd be a foie gras goose. Gary and Shannon. I like to clap. I know. I think it's funny. I'm excited. Football is legitimately back today. It's the Hall of Fame game tonight. The Bears and the Ravens. Huh? I did not know Should that. Should see was... the starters for about a minute and a half. Oh, if if that. Yeah. They may they may show up for the uh, introductions and then take a knee. Uh, Gary and Shannon, we are live today. Char- Chargers training camp once again down in Costa Mesa at the Jack Hammett Sports Complex. They're just getting underway today on yet another incredibly gorgeous, beautiful day to come on out. If you want to come on out here, there's uh, all kinds of directions and also information about what goes on at Chargers training camp. When you go to chargers.com backslash camp, just click on training camp. You'll see all the information out there. Not only do you get to see these guys up close trying to get onto the team this year, but you also, there's a great interactive center. There's a quarterback challenge, a little 40-yard dash, the high five zone where you can get high fives from the guys as they get back on the buses. Uh, great opportunity to get some autographs. Did you go over there and get a high five? I saw you with no, the other guys. It was packed. This thing was packed today because I guess it's also youth football day here. So there's a bunch of high school, junior high uh, level teams that are out here and, uh, it it uh, it had sort of a gamey aspect to it. It and, did. And there was a smell that was wafting over this direction. And oh, did you mean gamey like? No, no. I think you're right. Okay. I mean, if you, I, I know you haven't smelled a teenage boy in a while, not no. on purpose, at least. And that. Uh, I, well, and I said to you, what is that? Like, do you? It's it's it smells a little bit like feet. I can't really put my foot on it. I can't really put my foot on it. And then you said, oh, yeah. it's teenage boy day at training camp. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. I mean, once you <laughs> once you realize this, then it all it all started making sense. Well, the big story that exploded yesterday is about football, but not about the X's and O's. It's the same story that we've seen play out in many industries. This time, it just happens to hit one of the powerhouses in college football, Big Ten powerhouse, the Ohio State University. Urban Meyer, probably one of the best well-known coaches, one of the most successful coaches in uh, big, t- I would just say in college football, period. It, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at Ohio State, he's like 73 and 8. He's got a national title from a few years ago, two Big Ten Conference championships. So without knowing much about college football, you can clearly say Urban Meyer is one of the legends when it comes to college football. Now, Urban Meyer had a mentor, and his name was Earl Bruce. He was also a coach for Ohio State University. This was in the 80s, I believe, early to mid-80s. This was the guy that taught Urban Meyer a lot. And coaching trees in the NFL, in college football, there's a lot of respect that go on in coaching trees. Uh, who came up through whose system? Urban Meyer came up through Earl Bruce's system. Just so happens, Earl Bruce, by the way, no longer with us, but his grandson was an assistant wide receivers coach 
for Ohio State University. Already, it looks like he was there because of who his grandfather was. Uh, assistant wide receivers coach, you're not real high up on the food chain. It could be a lot of guys that get that job. Right. It looks like he was placed there as, as a favor to, to Earl Bruce or, you know, out of respect for Earl Bruce. This is where all the problems have sprung from. This Zach Smith assistant coach, because his ex-wife is singing. She's singing to an ES, a former ESPN reporter about all the domestic violence that she had to endure in their marriage. And, oh, all the wives knew about it. All the coaches' wives knew about it. This is a frustrating thing. I saw this break yesterday. I was at lunch, and uh, it was all over the TV, all over ESPN. Because it was uh, Stadium, I think, is the actual broadcast outlet that did the interview with Courtney Smith. And they uh, put up not only her interview where she explains what happened, but also text messages that she said uh, were sent between her and Urban Meyer's wife. Okay, Now, again, Zach Smith is the one of the assistant coaches. Courtney's his wife. Urban Meyer and Shelly Meyer. Urban's the head coach. So the, the allegation is from Courtney Smith, that not only was she alleging domestic violence on behalf of her ex-husband, Zach Smith, but that she was telling people about it in terms of the other wives of coaches and that at one point the wife of the head coach, Shelly Meyer, said, you know, I'm going to have to tell Urban about this. And Courtney said, yes, you should tell Urban about this. Not only should Shelly... Meyer have told her husband about this and make no mistake about it. She did. Their marriage is one of those political marriages. Yeah. Um, but, but she was a mandated reporter. She's a registered nurse and she works for Ohio state university. So under the title nine rules, she would have to go on her own volition and report what she knew an employee of the school was doing. That didn't happen. It, you know, shades of all the other stories we get of people hiding bad behavior because they want the reputation to stay pristine. Yeah, yeah. this is and this goes on. I, I want to say that I saw somebody saying yesterday that there was a correlation here between this case, between Urban Meyer allegedly hiding the domestic violence allegations against one of his assistant coaches and the Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky story. Now, I think those are completely separate because I think it's I think it's likely that Joe Paterno didn't know. He didn't understand what was going on. Urban Meyer apparently completely understood what was going on and chose to ignore it. So, I mean, this is a, a this is a different situation, well, but it, it's kind of cut from the same cloth because you have a story that should never have been hidden. This is the thing that Ohio State is learning, too, because they had another coach. I'm trying to remember when he resigned, but it was in recent years, Jim Tressel. Mm -hmm. Jim Tressel was in charge for, like, Reggie Bush stuff. Um, you know, remember the Reggie Bush issue with Pete Carroll and the sanctions that USC had to suffer through after that all got uncovered. Reggie Bush was getting stuff from donors. He was getting uh, cars and a house and, and all that. And they got in trouble for it. And Jim Tressel, same kind of thing. There were student athletes that were getting something extra on the side. And Ohio State stood by him through the whole, the whole thing. And they didn't put him on leave. Well, not this time. But the thing is, is I hate this comparison to Reggie Bush and to the Jim Tressel situation because... That was kickback for kickbacks for players, players who aren't paid, and I think that they should be paid, and that's a whole other issue. But 
this is breaking the law. This is domestic violence. Right. Joe Paterno, that was child abuse that Sandusky was doing. So when you're breaking the law, I think it adds another layer of just such filth to it when you're trying to hide that. So there's, there's a lot more that this guy has been accused of, and we'll talk about it, because, because Urban Meyer has admitted that he knew at least some of the allegations against this Zach Smith and continued to keep him on staff. So we'll go, kind of go through this list of things that, uh, that Zach Smith is accused of doing. And by the way, it's not a one-time thing. It's not like a heat of the moment making a threat against somebody and then regretting it. This is a series of things that this guy's been accused there of or convicted of. Yeah, and there are pictures. Too. And there are pictures. So uh, we'll talk about that. Also, I was listening to Dan Patrick this morning, and they had a, a, a guy from a Fox affiliate that is there in Ohio, in Ohio State University territory. And the overwhelming reaction has been that she's lying. Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, it's well, I mean, Big Ten football. These people are insane. They they want to believe so badly to to keep that those winning pieces in place that the, that that she's lying and make this all go away. And Urban Meyer gets to keep his job. What benefit would it be to her to make this up? Well, it could be the downfall of the football program. She, oh, she's a big Michigan fan. <laughs> Got it. All right. Unclear. Gary and Shannon will continue. We're live today at Chargers training camp down in Costa Mesa. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, President Trump publicly thanking North Korean leader Kim Jong-un for returning what we think are American MIA remains from the Korean War. He thanked him on Twitter, saying Kim kept his word and thanked Kim for sending him a, quote, nice letter. So there you have it. That's nice. Hey, uh, Ivanka Trump has come out with some interesting comments. She said that the family separation issue at the border was the low point for her when it comes to her time in the White House, that she completely disagreed with her dad on that story. Um, And she also disagrees with her dad, she said, on whether or not the media are the enemy of the people. She says that's absolutely not true. Uh, Oh, the Molly Tibbetts story. So this is the University of Iowa student missing in, uh, in Brooklyn, Iowa. Yes. Police are investigating a sighting of Molly possibly what? at a truck stop in Missouri. Yeah, but you know what? That's, I that mean, happens all, all the, the time. time. Yes, but it's the only it's the only real news that we've had about that case in the last three weeks. Fascinating. Yeah, so there, uh, I think it's about 200 miles away from uh, from where she was taken. But I'm wondering what a cluster that investigation is with local cops, state cops, it, federal cops. It's a movie. They, they don't always work together the way they work together in Los Angeles. No, it's a movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's where you, the you know the big town guys in the suits come from the Chicago FBI yeah, field so office. Yeah, so they go to the local coffee shop, and no one will talk to them. Right. And they don't get to sit at the counter and get the good coffee. They have to drink the burnt coffee in the back. <laughs> hey, we're at Chargers Camp in Costa Mesa today. I used to watch a lot of Lifetime. Uh, we are in Costa Mesa. Oh, I just got good news. Remember how last week we were doing that story about how old is too old for a tattoo, and you were kind of tossing around the idea of maybe getting one? Well, the Chargers and the Shamrock Social Club are teaming up for the second straight year. Free Chargers tattoos. This is happening between the hours of 1 p.m. and 1 a.m. on Wednesday. This is on Sunset Boulevard at Shamrock Social Club. 
Chargers girls will be out there. Some Chargers players will be out there. And you can get the bolt tattooed forever. I just saw a light go off on Nick's head. Uh-oh. Yeah, someone's getting an early tattoo. It's going to be... Oh, it's, he's gone. <laughs> he said, no, he's not getting a tattoo. <laughs> Easy, Mom. He's not getting a but tattoo. But what about you? I think a bolt would look good on your sh- your chest. On my shins? <gasps> right. That's a good idea. Got it. All right. We're talking about the uh, story of uh, Ohio State head football coach Urban Meyer, legendary coach at his time at Florida and Ohio State and other places, three national championships to his name. Now, uh, under him... Uh, as a player at one point, I think at Bowling Green, uh, was a guy named Zach Smith. When he went to Florida, Zach Smith followed him. And one of, uh, one of Urban Meyer's mentors, a guy named Earl Bruce, happened to be Zach Smith's grandfather. And uh, a, there may have been some discussion early on, hey, take care of my grandkid. He's a good guy. So... It looks like Urban Meyer has had Zach Smith on staff for years. Grandkid did not turn out to be a good guy. Looks like he was beating his wife for several years. She's got the pictures to prove it. ESPN shuffled a reporter out of its doors, a guy by the name of Brett McMurphy. He's the one who has all the pictures. He broke the story yesterday on his Facebook page while ESPN scrambled to cover it and looked like complete buffoons. So Zach Smith most recently has been charged with misdemeanor criminal trespass. His ex-wife now, Courtney, accused him of driving to her apartment after she told him that they were going to meet elsewhere so that he could drop off their kid. Zach pleaded not guilty last month. He actually has a court date scheduled for tomorrow. We'll see if it happens. But that's not it. He's also accused of aggravated battery on his wife when she was pregnant back in 2009 while he was a graduate stu- uh, graduate assistant on Urban Meyer's staff. Brett McMurphy did not just publish the pictures. He published the text messages between the battered wife and Urban Meyer's wife. Now, Urban Meyer is a total control freak. He knows every single thing that's going on with his people, with his team, with his coaching staff. He knows it all. There's no way that he did not know about this. But it's another case of, eh, let's just protect the kid. Let's shield him. Let's put this under the rug and hope it goes away for the sake of the Ohio State University's reputation. I don't – listen, Urban Meyer said – it's funny. He's a control freak, and I think a lot of these very successful football coaches probably are. I mean, you just yes. – you have to have that sort of a personality, I think. To, to live and survive and thrive in an environment like, uh, you know, big-time college football. At Big Ten Media Days, where all of these reporters that cover the different teams come together, uh, they cover the division, they come to the conference, and they come together, and they ask questions of their head coaches and some star players, etc. He was asked about that. He was asked about this incident from 2015. And all Urban Meyer said was, I can't say it didn't happen, but because I wasn't there, I was never told about anything and nothing ever came to light. I never had a conversation about it. But remember, Courtney Smith said she was texting Shelly Meyer, Urban's wife, and telling Shelly that this was going on. And Shelly even said, I'm going to have to tell my husband about this. Now, here is a theory Their marriage and relationship being what it is, Urban Meyer and Shelly Meyer have been married for more than 30 years. Uh, They are the king and queen of Ohio State University. Do you think the wife gives her husband plausible deniability in this case? By withholding the information? Yeah. 
Um, do you think it, we? Think do you think possible. we hear from Shelly Meyer? And she, cause she, and she falls on the sword for the sake of the football program. She holds the press conference and says, I never told, I, I never, never told, told urban. I knew this was going on as a title nine mandated reporter. I should have reported it. I thought things were getting better for them. I thought they were going to see the marriage through and it was my fault. And I will accept whatever punishment the university wants to give me. Yeah, but what she's doing there is, and maybe this is painting too broad a picture, she's weighing the scorn of her gender against the success of the Ohio matter. State It doesn't football matter program. in Big Ten football. I'll tell That's you so, that. It's so... It does not matter. We know what matters winning. That's what matters. Now, you know, at this point, there's a lot of people that say, oh, it should be kept in the marriage. The, the problem should be kept in the marriage. Why does the football program have to deal with it? There's a lot of that talk going on right now. At this point, the Ohio State is doing apparently what they're supposed to do. I mean, they immediately put Urban Meyer on suspension. They, they got rid of, of, uh, of Zach Smith already. They got rid of Zach Smith when this aggravated battery uh, story and this uh, uh, domestic violence issue came up. So they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is investigate these claims. But like we saw with the CBS board when they said they're going to bring in a, uh, an outside counsel, Ohio State doesn't need to do that. Ohio State just needs to drill down on Shelley and Urban Meyer and figure out what's going on and, and see what of, which of the other assistant coach wives knew what was going the on. Problem, How prominent was this story? The problem is uh, Ohio State doesn't run that, that school. The Meyers do. Well, and maybe that's why, maybe it was a saving face. And Urban Meyer said, hey, my suggestion is you put me on, uh, you put me on leave. And I talked to Shelly about how she's going to take the sword on this one. I I think that that's what's going to happen. I was listening to Petros and Money yesterday, and they were talking to uh, a guy who hosts a show nationally. I want to say his name's Travis Clay. And he was saying that Urban Meyer is one of those guys who sells himself as a really good guy. He said, you know, we all know he's a great football coach, but he tries to sell himself as a good person. And it's always disingenuous. Everyone knows he's a giant apple. But it it, it hits harder when people try to sell themselves. You know, it's like the religious right who who run on family values. And then get caught. And then get caught with a little boy in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we to, are going to be... Way to put a pin in that one. Jeez. Uh, we'll update the fire situation <laughs> when we come back. We're live today. Chargers training camp in Costa Mesa. Check out the information at chargers.com slash camp and click on training camp. You'll see all the info. Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh, the big guy, the one big guy out there? Well, he's big for a safety. That's Derwin James. That's oh, right their here. first round pick. Holy cow. He's had a hamstring issue, but he's back today, and I can't wait to see him work out. That I can't wait a, to see what he can do. That guy's a moose. Um, a moose? I love moose. Hey, uh, we are following a couple of uh, big stories. I think the biggest right now, at least the one that is developing, is that uh, CBS News and a couple of other media outlets are reporting an active shooter at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Hospital. That is in Ohio. All the gates have been closed, and they're suggesting that anybody on the Air Force Base, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, take cover. Uh, we haven't seen anything in terms of uh, exactly 
what is going on, but there are multiple different reports that it is a confirmed active shooter, again, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Uh, this could be anything. It could be uh, somebody going in after a doctor. It could be a domestic situation. But at this point, they haven't said anything about casualties or injuries. Uh, I suppose the one good thing is that they're already at the hospital. But. Big headline coming out of Washington today about the Trump administration wanting to stop requiring automakers to make cars more fuel efficient starting in 2020. There are a number of states that have voluntarily set up higher gas mileage standards. Wants to get rid of that. We'll talk all about it coming up at 1230 when we talk all things Washington in Swamp Watch. But we wanted to tell you about these requests for fire engines that were unfulfilled. From Tuesday through Saturday of last week, requests for more than 900 fire engines from commanders around California went unfulfilled. That means emergency responders in many communities had far less help than they wanted and needed. Yeah, the, the mutual aid system, I, you may hear it when, when we cover news conferences from, uh, from fire officials in situations like this, is just meant to bring together all of the different firefighting agencies and agencies that would be used in a situation like that. It doesn't have to be firefighters. It could be paramedics. It could be law enforcement that are used for traffic control to help evacuations, all of those issues. But what they do is, in the event of a, a, a situation, use the car fire as an example, is they'll ask for help from these other agencies farther away, San Diego County, L.A. County, Riverside County, that may not be dealing with their own emergency situations at the time. The problem is, this last week was probably one of the worst weeks we've ever seen in terms of the number of very large and active fires burning in the state of California. We're seeing this happen more and more as time goes by. Uh, the number of unfulfilled requests for fire engines was 134 back in 2012 during that fire season. 134. The 2016 season, more than 3,000 of those requests went unfulfilled. And I think the reason we're seeing that is because departments simply do not want to be hit blind. They don't want to be hit when their crews are somewhere else. And as we're seeing more fires move into communities, bigger fires, they want all hands on deck in their community, the community that, that pays for them to have their jobs. Yep. And I understand that, but what, what's the answer? Well, I think the other thing is... More state, what, more Cal Fire crews? Uh, it could be more Cal Fire crews. It could be, hey, let's stop spending billions of dollars on this... Uh, you almost said the F word. Uh, you know, we're train. in charge of fast training train camp. is what I was going to well, say. you can get away really with a KFI. Train. You can't get away with here. These are nice professional people. How much money, how many resources are we spending right now on a bullet train that, that is never... There will never be you know an engine. There will never be wheels on those Nick, tracks. let's find out the answer to that question. Uh, and how much of that could be spent on hiring firefighters, uh, hiring uh, and state, buying engines, etc. How much state money is going towards this, whether it's the jobs of the people trying to work up this unicorn dream or it's infrastructure or crews or whatever. Let's find out what that number is because it's just wasteful. It's just wasteful. It doesn't, and, and when a situation like this comes up, the San Francisco Chronicle, for example, that put this article out, they never question that. They never say, uh, you know, this could be solved with a, a, an extra half a million or half a billion dollars or something like that. Oh, that we are spending currently on a fairy tale train. That doesn't, they don't talk about that. Now, they also, one of the, I suppose, unusual things that we've seen recently is 
the size of these fires, the pace with which these fi- these fires grow is much faster than we've seen before. The Tubbs fire last October in Santa Rosa is an example. Even if they had the opportunity to request aid, mutual aid from different agencies. It was too around late. The, it, it happened too fast. Yeah. They could not. If, you're, if they ask for Sacramento County to send crews in, in the two, three hours that it would take to muster up a crew, get them on the road, and get them to, set, to Napa County even, it's going to be too late because those things were going too fast. We saw the same thing in Redding when first responders that showed up on the scene, firefighters and police, they didn't battle the fire. They had to get people out of the homes. They, they didn't have time to stop and battle the fire in those initial moments. They had to save lives. You know, I, I think one of the other things that you, you could see, and I, I don't know if this is even a possibility, but, I mean, they've gone so far as to ask the Army, to ask the Marine Corps, to send crews that, if nothing else, there's just, they're just beef. They're guys who are willing to work at whatever it is to, to try to help um, save some of these communities, <laughs> is that you would see... Well, I mean, I, I, like I just mean that they're no, not like that. they are not specially trained <laughs> they're, necessarily. They're beef. They are. They're beef. I mean, they're guys who will hold a shovel and a pickaxe. Built like and a do brick what, outhouse. Yes, and they'll do what you tell them to do. Clear that road, do this line, help that lady out of her house, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that you might see, or you could see, I think there would be a market for it, a series of volunteers, whether it's dozens or hundreds or a couple thousand people who are willing to say, I am willing to respond in the event that something happens and I need to help save a community. Well, that's what the California National Guard does. Uh, they they assist, I believe, sure. in, in these types of situations. All right, we come back. Uh, another story that uh, is a weird one. We talked a little bit about it at the end of yesterday's show. The doctor who performed heart surgery on... George H.W. Bush recently was murdered outside that hospital in Houston. Grudges. They're not good for you, and they weren't good for this doctor. We'll tell you how a 20-year-old grudge led to his murder when we return. Also waiting to try to get some more information about what we believe is an active shooter situation right Patterson Air Force Base Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. We're going to get some more updates on that. Gary and Shannon, live today, Chargers training camp down at Costa Mesa. Looks like the kickers are getting in some work here. And Oh, did you see that bug? Yes. That's huge. Oh, is, that a, is that a horse fly? No. Oh. Anyway. I, also didn't, I also didn't fall to the ground when I saw the bug. Like usually <laughs> usually watching uh, guys kick field goals isn't that interesting. But no, for but this team, it yeah. absolutely is. Considering last season, they, they probably, out of those first four games that they lost, they, they could have won. You can argue that they could have won three of them. Yes, and I think they went through five kickers Yeesh. on the season. Uh, President Trump has directed a vast government-wide effort to protect American elections. This is coming from the White House. John Bolton has sent a letter to Senate Democrats today saying, President Trump has not and will not tolerate interference in America's system of representative government. That's good, right? Well, I mean, what does it really mean? Did he write that? Or did John Bolton? John Bolton wrote that. Uh, Yes. John Bolton's mustache wrote that. Potentially. Okay. Uh, one of the other big stories that we're keeping an eye on, we don't have a whole lot of information, but Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, uh, Dayton, Ohio, 
the Air Force Base tweeted out not too long ago that uh, a message that said at approximately 12.40 today, which would have been about uh, almost an hour ago, the base emergency responders, including security forces and fire department, responded to a reported incident in Building 830 at uh, Wright-Patterson Hospital. There are no additional details at this time. Information be released. There is a, a TV station out of Dayton that says that it equates to a report of an active shooter and that someone may have barricaded themselves inside the hospital, according to uh, the dispatch traffic that they're keeping an eye on. Again, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Hospital, but no word on any injuries. Actually, no word on any gunshots yet, to be clear. Uh, but no report of any injuries or casualties or anything. News, well, hey, Gary, the Wright State University is tweeting that they were notified by police that the active shooter situation has been contained. Okay. Okay. Got it. So Excellent. we'll keep an eye on it. But Thank you. Looks like it's it's taken care of. The news hit yesterday that Houston police had issued an arrest warrant in the murder of ex-president, ex-heart surgeon. This was a doctor who operated on George H.W. Bush, and he was shot and killed as he, as he rode his bike to work. It was very bizarre when it first happened. Well, now we know that police believe it was a man that had a more than 20-year-old grudge against the doctor, a man by the name of Joseph Pappas. He's 62, and they say he has had this grudge because his mother died in a surgery performed by the good doctor. Now, this is a strange story because the way this James Pappas guy, Joseph Pappas, is described by the Houston police chief, Art Acevedo, is that he's dangerous. We got that. He's capable. Well, I mean that he's capable of murder, yes. And that he has some skills is what he's talking about. Now, from what I remember, all he did was ambush the, the doctor while he was riding a bicycle on the way to work. It was the Monday. It was the morning of July 20th. Excuse me. It was Friday. It was hot. And it looks like the doctor was on the bike. He was a block away from Houston Methodist. The doctor was dressed in his blue scrubs. This guy approaches, shoots the doctor twice in the torso. He's one mile from the hospital. Now, the, Yeah, I don't know what they mean when they say skills. It, they didn't really, I could do that. They didn't describe much of it. And they have also said that they're not talking about the evidence that connects this guy to the killing outside of the fact that they know that his mom died on the operating table while this doctor, uh, Mark Hauschknecht, was uh, was performing surgery. So, I mean, it's a it, that's the clearest connection. So this Joseph Pappas apparently also sent a suicidal text message to a friend just Tuesday night, and that's what prompted officers to check his home in the first place. Oh, they'll probably find him somewhere out in a field or something. Well, that's what I was thinking. They're going to find him. I don't, I don't know if there's any woods outside of Houston. I'm not familiar with the Houston area, but Ugh, uh, but they're just they're going to find him out in the uh, out in the woods somewhere. Not his a home lovely life. metropolis. But how do you get? I don't understand how you do this for 20 years. You hold on. You sit on this for 20 years. I think he was probably out, done with his own life. Oh, and how about was this? so pissed off that he wanted to take someone with him. How about this? So he is uh, he is angry right away because obviously you know he lost his mother. But festers. It, it, I wouldn't even say it festers. It subsides. Like he forgets about it after uh. a while. Then you see the George H. W. Bush heart surgery story, and oh. you see Doctor Hauschknecht's uh. Uh, name bandied about as being sort of a national treasure for saving the life of a former president. 
and uh, you think you're going to go prove something by, by killing him. That makes perfect sense in a nonsensical manner. Yes, that's, absolutely. That's, that's what I do. That's what happened. Uh, Bush, by the way, said in a statement, Mark was a fantastic cardiologist and a good man. I'll always be grateful for his exceptional, compassionate care. His family is in our prayers. His wife issued a statement about guns, saying guns don't make America safer. She says, while law enforcement has given you their focus on finding the criminal, I'm asking you to use your vote and your voice to stem the tide of this growing public health epidemic. Wow. Uh, all right. We're live today at uh, Chargers Training Camp out here in Costa Mesa on another absolutely gorgeous day to come on out and see what's going on. You, feel, you can uh, check out all the information if you go to chargers.com slash camp and just click on training camp. And you'll see all the cool stuff that's going on out here. I mean, you can hear the music in the background. They've I wonder got, if the players get tired of hitting, hearing uh, greatest hits from the 80s It is and the 90s. same. It is the same playlist that they played on Tuesday. I know that. Yeah. So may, hopefully it's a Tuesday, Thursday thing and they switch it up just a little bit. Yeah, but even, I hope so, too. Even I'm getting it's like done. a grocery store. Have you ever noticed in your grocery store they play the same music? Yeah. I, I also notice it in casinos. You know, when I park myself There's music at the blackjack casinos? table at Main Street Station in downtown Vegas for 12 and a half hours, uh, the rotation I start noticing is on repeat. Okay, that's a sign. That, that, that is a sign that you're spending too much time at the blackjack table Main Street Stadium. Coming up next, Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, joins us. We're going to be talking about why people are now saying soccer is more dangerous mm. than football. Mm. I think it's more dangerous for parents. It's more dangerous to watch, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, with all that sun. You might slip off the couch and hit your head on the coffee table. <laughs> uh, it's all coming up next on Gary and Shannon. No matter what we breed, we still are made of greed. This is my kingdom come. This is my kingdom come. Gary and Shannon broadcasting live today in Costa Mesa at Chargers training camp. But keeping an eye on the big stories of the day, Wright State University, as Amy mentioned, is tweeting that they were notified by police there in Dayton, Ohio, that an active shooter situation at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base has been contained. The university there is right next to the Air Force Base. The reports of the active shooter started when employees got a text telling them to take cover. Police have been responding to the base. All gates have been closed. Uh, the Twitter account for the base said security crews and fire department responded about 1240 this afternoon, which is about 20 minutes ago or so, to an incident in Building 830, which is the hospital. No additional details. Media reports say a call went out to an off-duty emergency responder in the area to, to report to work for help. So that's all we know there. there but again, it's been contained. Uh, big news on Wall Street today is that Apple has become the first ever trillion-dollar company based on stock price that rose today. Trillion dollars. And you've got a bunch of others, and Microsoft, Google, et cetera, potentially could get there <clears throat> before the end of the year because we're seeing a, a pretty strong surge in tech stocks. Uh, and then the story about Molly Tibbetts, if you remember, we've told you before about the University of Iowa student who went uh, missing in Iowa a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yesterday we were telling you the latest in the investigation, trying to figure out if the boyfriend uh, may have had something to do with it, even though he'd been cleared. Dad came out and made some statements. 
Police are now investigating what they say was a possible sighting of Molly about 200 miles away from the town that she disappeared in in um, a truck stop in Missouri. Now, usually that turns out to be a case of mistaken identity, but it's really the only lead that they've been able to tell us about in a couple of weeks. Well, there was some talk in the L.A. Times this week about youth football and youth soccer and injuries and comparing and contrasting them. At this time on Thursdays, we talked to Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, and today we'll talk about just that. What? Oh, yeah, don't I forgot the about this. Yeah, sorry. Forgot about the special theme. He waits all week for this music. So oh, do I. Because he's a bad dad daddy. It's my Thursday motivation. Mm. <laughs> That's it, huh? That's all I need. All right. I, it's, to, you know, you guys are out there at training camp, and uh, we're in the throes of uh, training camp as well for the Burbank Vikings Youth uh, Pee Wee League <laughs> football. I don't, I, I don't want to draw comparisons, but uh, I'm the defensive backs and wide receiver coach. Yeah, I, right. I go both sides of the ball. That's that's the kind of talent that comes to the table when you add Justin Warsham to your coaching staff. But, you got to play uh, both sides. You got to you have to. You got to go Iron Man football on that if you're Justin Warsham. Especially I if you that. got 15 kids on your team total. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> but yeah, I want to talk to you guys. I thought it would be nice that you guys are there at training camp to. Because I've loved it. I've talked to you guys a lot off the air about the, the joys and, and the, the, the benefits I've seen in just my own sons in playing flag football. And now my older son is playing tackle football. And I think the biggest, you know, bad shake that football gets is the concussion and the injury thing, right? Well, I, I don't know if it's a bad shake like it's an illegitimate, you know, That's thing. a good point. I mean, it's, it's a real issue. But here's the thing. When you look at the statistics, you got two sides. The, the, st- the statistics get weird. Some people say that you get more concussions if you're in uh, soccer than yeah. you do in football. But then there's also studies that say, well, that's not really true. Even though football says per capita, but there are more examples of concussions in soccer, but there's also more kids playing. And so that gets a little muddy. So I did some more like poking around and found out that when they say injuries, right, when they talk about injuries, they're also including in there uh, fractures, strains, sprains, and contusions. But when you start getting into like head trauma and stuff like that, another study I found said that you actually, they experience more brain injuries or head trauma in flag football than they do in tackle football. Really? Well, I would agree. I I would just say that because you're wearing a helmet, because you have pads, there is a certain amount of protection that that you – I mean, they're uh, they're designed for protection. That's why they wear them. It's why uh, guys who were wearing leather leather helmets in the 30s and 40s uh, were mushy by the time they were were in their their late 40s. I mean – the, there's a reason why you wear the protection. And I think if you, um, you know, fall down while you're playing flag football or soccer for that matter, and you bang your head or in soccer, if you use your head to direct the ball one way or the other, I mean, t- to me, it makes perfect sense that there would be more injuries in a sport, whether it's high contact or not, that just simply doesn't have the protective gear. I cringed a lot watching the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. And I was thinking, I wonder if this sport is going to get hit with more rules, whether it's helmets or, or just tighter rules or how it's going to work. I know that there are kids in youth soccer now who wear uh, soft helmets, basically. Yes. They wear protective gear on their heads in soccer. They yeah. do it in for flag football, reason. too. And it's like, it's got like, it's not a metal plate, so it's not, no. but it is like a, it's a little absorption, you it's, know, material that they have. It's almost like they took the inside of an actual football helmet 
outside, you know, not the hard plastic shell, but just the, the inside padding. pads and yeah. put those together and, and, and strap that onto a kid's head, which the, looks ridiculous. How do you feel, Justin, with your kids playing football? Is I, it a concern for you? Not at all. I love it. I love it. I if mean, you, I know you love the game, and I know you love, you know, route running. <laughs> Well, well, let me. I, but, I mean, when your little agility guy, grills, I'm in. Right, right. But when your but when your little guys are out there, it's not a concern for you. Here's my here's my take on it: is that I think you got to look at the risk versus the benefit. the 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 amount of growth that I've seen out of both of my sons, just just to be able to overcome adversity. I've said multiple times on these segments I do with you guys that there seems to be this trend of being protective, and then it's and and, and what correlates to that is an increase in like. Uh, depression, anxiety, and, and overstressed teenagers and stuff because parents are trying to protect their kids from negative experiences, and I think we're missing out on what those negative experiences can really teach. I know it seems silly, but, like, to watch my, my kid, we were doing a drill when they had the older team together. We had the older team and the younger team all working together for, like, a preseason summer training camp thing, right? My son was the last kid. They were doing a competition, and he messed up. He didn't run the ball back past the quarterback to win it for his team, and that was what cost them. And I saw are him you, get Are you sure that was your kid and not your wife's kid? <laughs> that day he was. I disowned right. him like good a good father should. But, uh, no, uh, to watch him get upset, you know what I mean? He's very much like his father. He's very in touch with his emotions. But, uh, but he to watch him get upset and to watch all of these other kids – come around and pat him on the back. Kids that were even older that, like, I feel like in our day would make fun of somebody like that. The team, like, they all came together and said, dude, it's all right, man. We'll do it next time. And they it's were... It's the opposite. It's opposite yes. day everywhere. It's schools. Yeah. Yes. It's like, it's, you know, it's the 21 Jump Street thing. The nerds are now the cool kids, and the cool kids are the losers. Everybody is, they're so encouraging. And and even now, when they're the current you got to get tackle. them to drop more balls out there. Exactly. You know? That's the way they can get more praise. But, like, you get kids that will show up late, and everybody's doing up-downs. And then, but then one time that kid came in late again, and he was running. And everybody's cheering him on. Like, they're they're not... They get frustrated with him, which I think is natural. But I like that idea of teaching accountability. Like, it's not just about you. There's a group of people that are dependent on, on you to be on time, to be ready, to give it your all. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff you can't teach. And when, and when things are hard and you got to figure out how to deal with the frustration and, and being upset and push through it to keep playing a game. My younger son, he struggled because we were playing a team that kept pulling his flag. And he was super fast and he didn't know how to deal with it. And I said, you just got to deal with it and keep going. Just keep going. Teach him going. some spin moves? I tried. Well, and that's the thing is that it, it, like that, teach him some spin moves. But the point is you got to persevere. And that's, that's a really hard thing to explain unless somebody has felt it. I mean, do you think I'm wrong? Did you play well, football when you were a youth? I did. I played uh, Pop Warner football, and then I went into my freshman year of high school, and then I backed out because I was the smallest kid on the team playing outside linebacker. We, no joke, had a six-foot-tall tight end that was ginormous named Kirk Nelson, and he would just level me anytime I was in there. And one time, the starting outside linebacker did, just, just didn't come to practice. So I'm like, I'm going to play. I'm going to play, and I'm in there, and I'm getting crushed like Rudy. It was horrible, man, only I had no heart like Rudy did. <laughs> you, had, you had no get back up. No, I was like, oh, but I was in it. I was still excited, and then I'm walking back to the locker room after practice, and the coach, the kid showed up, and I hear the coach, he goes, 
He goes, what are you doing to me, man? You can't skip practice. Did you see Warsham out there? I can't put that kid in the game. He's going to get killed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess I don't belong here. And I went to Joint uh, Theater where I belong. Coach, <laughs> I'm right here. All right, we'll come back. You actually bring up a, a point that I wanted to ask you about because you said you're okay with your kids playing football. But I have a question about that. When Let's we do back. it. All right, Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, has joined us. Gary and Shannon, we're live today at uh, Chargers Training Camp down in Costa Mesa. An absolutely gorgeous day again. Gary and Shannon. We're live today, Chargers training camp in Costa Mesa, following a couple of uh, big stories. The uh, Trader Joe's that was the scene of that uh, hostage situation shootout a couple weeks ago, Silver Lake, reopened today. Uh, Also, Apple Apple has become the world's first trillion-dollar company, trillion with a T because of the stock price going up today. Also, there has been a report of an unconfirmed sighting of that missing jogger from Iowa, Molly Tibbetts. There was a report of seeing her in Kearney, Missouri. We're going to get with Mark Remillard, who's covering the story for us, coming up after 1 o'clock. But right now, we are talking to Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, all about sports and injuries, soccer versus football. Okay, Justin, I got a Hit question me. for you. You yep. said you're totally cool with your kids playing football. I mean, they're in flag football right now, right? Uh, well, they did flag football in the spring. My 9-year-old, who will be 10 in September, just is starting his first tackle football season. Okay, so my question is, uh, if he expresses a desire to continue playing, I mean, when he's 9, 10, 12, even like 13, 14, most of the kids are going to be the same size that he is, right? right. But w- if he gets into high school, you're talking, and I, 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 would, I had a similar situation to you. When I played high school, I, I weighed probably 40 pounds less than I do now, 50, and, 50 pounds. And you're only a buck 45. Well, and so... I was not, let's just say, my body wasn't built for punishment. I remember my brother, <laughs> he was about 140 pounds, and he would uh, eat a uh, wheat germ. To try to gain weight. Yes. Yeah. My son, they my son the exact same potatoes thing. every meal when I but, was a kid. But the game changes quite a bit. It gets faster. The hits are harder when yeah. you're in high school. Do you, are, are you going to revisit the issue then, or do you, do you still... I still, for me personally, I still feel like the risk, the benefits far surpasses the risk. Uh, I just, I see that if, if it's something he's super passionate, I mean, the, he's nine, almost 10 now, and he wants to be a professional uh, football player, right? And so, sure, go get it. But I also teach him, like, nobody ever came to me when I was like, I'm going to be a professional football player. And, and realistically, physically, it was not possible for me. Right. Yeah, but or Jared I just didn't have Goff, the passion. Jared Goff didn't look into your eyes and That's say, true. you can do it. He pretty did. Good. Yeah. Like he did with your son. He did. <laughs> My son is here smiling, listening right now at that moment, <laughs> remembering it uh, very fondly. Uh, but so it's a thing where I, I try to have a realistic expectation and dialogue with him about it, where I've told him, I said, listen, you got to understand that getting into the NFL is really hard. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of commitment. A lot of your youth is going to be spent focused on making this happen. You can love football and have other options and make it into a career as well. Like if maybe he gets older and he's, he's not as big as the other kids, then maybe he can kind of, I don't know, be like an apprentice to one of the coaches and still yeah. be involved in the game in some way, shape, or form. But I just don't see the issue because I think they're so sensitive, especially to this concussion thing. His his uh, football team right now they they just fit, finished their f- third practice in full pads right they have not hit each other once 
they they literally they make they make them practice wearing the pads to get comfortable, and they have to do these drills. They teach them hawk tackling, which I guess was developed by Pete Carroll to uh, get away from the concussion. So we used to lead with our face, put our face right in their gut, and drive through. Hawk tackling is you take your your shoulder and you take their inside thigh and put your shoulder on their thigh so your head is behind them and your ear is on their hip and you wrap your arms and you do like a crocodile death roll to spin them so that you don't get a knee to the head or anything. Right, and, the, and you keep your head up so uh, that you can see. And, correct. Um, now, I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a certain amount of um, demonizing of the game that's gone on, especially in youth circles, and, and parents are concerned about it. I don't think there's a problem with it, especially because they change the way they teach kids to tackle now, and yeah. I, I, that's a huge deal because I remember – um, my the my football career very short lived, uh, <laughs> where there was there was no instruction like no. that. I mean, it was it was it was wrap your arms, uh, but it, there was nothing about keeping your head up. There was nothing about protect your neck. You know, protect the play. You're trying to bring them down. You're not trying to kill them. It was definitely a, a murderous aspect to tackling. We spend 45 minutes of practice now that they're in full pads where they're, one kid is kneeling down in front of the other one, and the coach says, Hit, uh, ready, and you get your arms back. Hit, you wrap around the thighs, get your head on the side, and then a coach goes by each pairing and it gives them adjustments, like get your head up, tighten your arms, okay? And then they go roll, and, then, and that's all they're doing right now. And then next week when we can actually – because now, especially if you're part of a sanctioned youth football league – there are these certifications that the coaches have to have, and they have, they're held accountable to going through these steps now. And if a kid looks like he got hit too hard, they don't have anybody on the sidelines to assess, uh, assess their concussion protocol, right? They pull him from the game no matter what. If he takes a hard hit, looks dizzy, he can't. And until you take him to a doctor, he can't come back in. Hey, Justin, you and Jacob and Jack want to run the Minnesota drill or play a find the laces or something. We've got a ball in our Uh-oh. office, and the hallway works wonders for those drills. Oh, remember that Remember that video of Philip Rivers connecting to you in the sales room? Oh, oh that's right. That was, that that was, was his beautiful. first completed pass in Los Angeles. To uh, Shannon Fair. Oh, there's hey, the horn for you, too. Listen to yeah, that. <laughs> hey, Justin, side note, I'm going to say this so Shannon can't hear me. Uh-huh. Um, Never use the words Pete Carroll or oh, Hawk. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, those did, are trigger words. Yeah, I did go to a dark place for about a she, minute. I blacked out. I, you can't, I, I don't you know what can't happened, see her, but, but she did shut down like a yeah. robot on Westworld. Yeah. I, you I'm know, the Pete really Carroll comes from the 49er coaching tree, <laughs> right, so everything right. he learned right. belongs to the 49ers. There you go. Bring it back. Smooth. In a way, Sean McVay does, too, if you think That's absolutely right. John McVay. All right, uh, Justin, you can find all of Justin's podcast, thedadpodcast.com. It's a great resource, and if you like these conversations, there's more of it on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, I'm man. so We've... jealous you're there. I bet you guys are having the time of your life, man. It's all right. I mean, it's a horrible it's all day. Right. The weather the weather <laughs> is the weather's iffy. I hate you know. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Take care, guys. All right, we come back. Uh, there was a press conference this morning. That uh, is something the likes of which I don't think we've seen in quite a while. Charles in charge is trying to take charge of the story about what he did with a young girl on the set of Charles in Charge. He's actually getting some praise for what he did today. We'll go through what he said and why why people are praising him you for know what, what he did. I don't even associate him with that as much as I associate him with being the biggest name out of the Republican convention. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. Yeah, but we saw uh, Antonio. Uh, what's Sabato? his face? Yes, I always uh, screw up his name. He was I the guy. Did it again. He was the guy who was speaking when we went on the floor for the first time. All right, we'll do that when we come back. Good thing we were going to come back. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will be right back. Inspire.
Gary and Shannon. It's Thursday. It's already the 2nd of August. We are live today at Chargers training camp in Costa Mesa. Looks like we've got a little bit of a brush fire going on. Corona fire departments rolling out to this one. It's in a drainage canal threatening some homes in the area of Palisades and Surface Club Drive south of the 91. They're requesting water-dropping helicopters from Riverside County on this one. We've also been following this story out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base near Dayton, Ohio. The, uh, the base was on lockdown earlier. There was a report of an active shooter at the base hospital. And uh, we've been trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Apparently, Wright State University was notified that the situation was under control, that it was handled. But we haven't seen any official statement from police yet about exactly what was going on, if there was a barricaded suspect, if anybody was was actually shot or injured or killed even. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if anything comes out of it. We've also followed the story uh, not too long ago. If you remember the story about Nicole Eggert and Scott Bayo. Charles in Charge stars. Right. So, so Nicole Eggert comes out recently within the last several months and suggested that the relationship that she had with Scott Bayo started before she was 18 years old, the sexual relationship, that he, according to her, repeatedly molested her between the ages of 14 and 17. He said, that is not the case. We did have a sexual relationship. It was a one-time thing, and it only happened after she was 18 years old. Monica Ricks is covering the story for KFI News, joins us now with the latest. Monica, what do you know? Hey, guys, Scott Bayo and his wife and his attorneys, they just held a press conference here in Thousand Oaks. And basically uh, what happened was that yesterday they filed a police report against Nicole Eggert, said that she's been coming after him and making outrageous claims. Uh, they even went as far in, as, as saying that she's obsessed with him and she has a, a an unhealthy fixation on him. And that's why he's making these, that, that's why she's making rather, these sexual misconduct claims against him. So they've gone to the LAPD and today they also announced that he has taken numerous polygraph tests five in total from two different um, ad, ad, um, administrators, and they he passed all of them. They asked him all kinds of questions about sexual contact with Nicole Eggert before she turned 18, whether he uh, performed certain acts on her. He answered no to all these questions, and he said he passed with flying colors. So he went to the LAPD, filed this police report. They're in the midst of now trying to get a restraining order against her because they say she won't stop. She's on Twitter and she's going on all these talk shows and and uh, the actor claims that she's making all these these vile comments against him and it's and it's really affecting his family. There was also uh, recently a judge that ordered Scott Bale's publicist to stay away from Nicole Eggert. Do you know anything about that? Um, I don't know too many details about that, but what the attorneys said uh, about Nicole was that she was coming after Scott, not the other way around. So, you know. What is the timing uh, of this? Like, has she been, has she said some, anything publicly lately? It just seems like this story kind of went away months ago. What, what's what's up with having the timing of this now? Well, apparently she's been going on Twitter and uh, making some comments as recently as June. Um, okay. There, there was. There was something about his his wife on her Twitter account, so he's going after his wife as well. Um, and she has been going on several talk shows. We know these these claims came out just a few months ago, um, and he says that he's trying to just fight them because they're not true. All right, Monica, thank you so much. Thanks, I'm just guys. looking at her Twitter page now, and her her pin tweet is uh, 
from a TMZ, an article from TMZ that says, the DA believes Nicole Eggert, but Scott Baio won't be prosecuted. Well, sure. I mean, the, the DA had to go by the statute of limitations in the case. She tweeted just 14 hours ago, hashtag saving the best for last. Hmm. I don't understand. I, my, my question to Monica was, by the way, in reference to uh, a guy named uh, Brian Glicklich. Glicklich. That's a, that's a good name right there, Glicklich. Uh, who, according to Nicole Eggert, she actually claimed in November uh, that I should say since November that Mr. Glickoch has been publicly harassing her online and in the media. And she was actually asking for a restraining order, I found out, but that the judge didn't grant the restraining order. The judge did grant a uh, hundred yard distance, basically, where this Glickoch guy can't come within a hundred yards of her uh, to try to stop harassing her. But so here's a question. Uh, this, in, from what I can recall, is probably the first time we've seen somebody push back as vehemently as Scott Baio has against these allegations. Because how many, you know, a couple dozen, few dozen stories we've seen about whether it's a, a TV star like this, if it's a movie producer, record producer, whatever it is. And, the, you know, while everybody comes out and denies something... Harvey Weinstein comes to mind. He denied that there was ever any sort of coercion or rape that took place. I but think he, but Scott Baio went to the port, to the to the distance of actually taking multiple lie detector tests. Well, and who knows who administered those things? But, but yeah, I but think no it's one because, else has been able to do that. I think it's because it won't go away, and also because he may want a political future. He's speaking at the Republican National Convention, maybe he he's looking at that, and this this needs to be put to bed. Maybe it needs to be put to bed quickly for some reason. And maybe politically. maybe he also recognizes the idea that if this, I mean, if his, if her accusations were true, then it goes beyond just an inappropriate sexual relationship. It gets into child molestation, and, and that would be how. Old is she, is she, so this uh, the, she says that she was seventeen. She said it started before. She said it started when she was fourteen. Okay. What, um, and he he said yes, they did have a sexual relationship, but it only happened one time, and it only happened after she was eighteen. I don't know where you can come down on he said, she said cases like this because evidence is long gone. And who knows what if it's just his word against hers. I don't I don't know how much damage could be done in a case like that unless it's just a stink that follows you around. Well, and I think that there's something to be said about the cases that we've seen up to this point where you've got multiple people coming forward, multiple women saying that these men were doing things to them. And this is a this is a singular case. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I, I don't know. I don't know if she's telling the truth or not. She could be telling what she believes is the truth, and it's just misremembering whatever it is. But but this is the first time I've seen somebody push back as strongly as he has and come with finger quotes proof that he do didn't do it in the form of a lie detector test. All right, coming up next, the TSA is considering eliminating passenger screening at a handful of airports across the country. About 150, actually, small and medium-sized airports. We'll tell you why and what the plan is when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue live today from Chargers Training Camp at Costa Mesa. You know you can't keep the ground from shaking. No matter how hard you try, you can't keep the sunsets from fading. You gotta treat your life like you're jumping off a swing, baby. Gary and 
Shannon live in Costa Mesa at Chargers training camp today. It's a beautiful day out here. If you get a chance to bring the kids out, do it because it's a fun morning. There's tons of activities. There's a quarterback challenge. There's cornhole. There are Charger girls are out here taking pictures, a high-five zone. If your kids have too much energy, there's a 40-yard dash thing they keep <laughs> Oh, are we going to do that? What? Do you want to do the, should we time? You're wearing heels. I can do it barefoot. Oh. Well, I'm wearing Vans, and they make me run uh, faster and jump higher, so I don't think you want that challenge. I think we should race. Fine, that's fine. We'll do that later in the show, I promise. (laughs) Um, We, uh, there's a couple stories that we're keeping an eye on. Number one is the uh, the active shooter that was reported at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Hospital in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, there is uh, believed to be a conclusion to that. We just haven't seen any official word yet about exactly what happened. There was uh, reports that maybe somebody had barricaded themselves inside that hospital. Wright State University, which is adjacent to the Air Force Base, had been told that everything was uh, all clear. But uh, in terms of the details of what went on inside that hospital, we don't know yet. Well, the TSA is considering, considering eliminating passenger screening at more than 150 small and medium-sized airports across the country. These were internal documents that CNN got their hands on, and apparently this came to light in a budget meeting. The internal documents from just last month, June and July, show the move could save about $115 million annually. They say that they could shift that money from these small to medium-sized airports, and they could move it to large airports. And it's unfortunate when documents like this come to light, isn't it? Because, it, well, it's just a cocktail napkin style thought, I mean, at this point. I don't, I don't think they're going to do this. I don't think it's going to happen. But imagine if they did. I mean, it's still, it's a tiny number. They're talking about it would affect, affect 10,000 people, which amounts to about one half of 1% of all the people who fly out of U.S. airports on any given day. The thing is... It's not like somebody flying from, um, I don't even know which small airports they're talking about, but it wouldn't even be somebody like flying from Redding, California to Spokane, Washington. So it, the, those people I'm not necessarily concerned about. Not saying that there isn't also a threat of terrorist attack or some, some, something happening on an airplane that could potentially kill them. It's that when you get from, you're flying, say, from Redding, California to San Francisco International, then you'd have to go through screening. Yes. So instead of being in what is considered a sterile environment, once you're screened, unless you're going internationally, once you're screened at one airport, you're considered screened at all airports for the most part. So if you fly from Reading, you get screened, and you go to San Francisco, you don't have to go through screening again. If they shut that down here, all that's going to do is at the largest airports in the country, it's going to make security lines that much longer. Well, and what about that leg from Reading to L.A.? Who got on that flight now that they know that there's no screening in Reading? Right. So because terrorism analysts hate this. They say it's stunning that this is even being considered. It's like, oh, we need to save money. Well, then let's just not screen people at some of the airports. You know, I wish people would have raised their hand when... In California, we had overcrowded prisons, and the idea was, well, let's just let everybody out. Right. Nobody raised their hand and said, this is ludicrous. (laughs) But we are seeing nationally that people are raising their hand and saying, all right, listen, if you want to save money, the answer is not 
let's not screen people. I mean, this is coming at a time when the administration has stepped up screening measures for laptops and tablets and things. Yeah, and there is a concern that there is some teeth to this because they're saying this didn't just go from the cocktail napkin exercise like I was referring to. They said that there was an actual working group of about 20 people, including a representative from the TSA's administration office, that met to look at the potential risks of a policy change like this. Even though it would save, what was the number, $150 million a year, $115 million a year, you then put at risk people's lives, okay? So are you then saying that a plane full of a small puddle jumper of 12 people and a pilot is is uh, less valuable than a 737 flying out of Burbank? And the answer is they're clearly saying that, but you're putting a you're putting a price on it. You're saying 115 million dollars is worth the worth the value of uh, 15 lives. I also don't think it's a good idea for this to be written down. Say you're the TSA <laughs> and you want to shift your resources around. You know, you want to shift some resources that you may not need. It might be overkill at that Reading Airport. Sure. And so, uh, well, today's a Tuesday. Let's shift some of those guys from Reading uh, down to Oakland. You don't need to to write it down and, and give people a heads up that today, you know, Reading might be a little light when it comes to TSA personnel. Yeah. Now, re- just a reminder, just to bring this back to reality, there's 440 airports that are uh, that have screening from TSA agents in the United States today. 440. So they're talking about the 150 of the smallest or medium-sized airports that n- wouldn't necessarily feed into the larger airports. But remember... The September 11th attackers, a couple of those guys got on a plane in Portland, Maine, before they got into the plane in Boston and, and aborted uh, Flight 11, American Airlines Flight 11. So the idea that this is, you know, keeping us safer by saving money, that's ridiculous. That's not the case. It's just, amount of, it's just a way for them to save money and does nothing to keep us safer. Amen, brother. I'm telling you. All right, we've got a big hour coming up. Well, we've got a couple of people. We're, uh, uh, our producer and uh, some of the assorted accoutrement uh, here in terms of the team at the Chargers. We're trying. Why is everybody so quiet? Because practice just ended. Oh. We should probably turn ourselves down. I was going to say, Craig, could you turn us down? I don't want to interrupt people. I know. They didn't come here to listen to our yapping mouths. Uh, it's what? You, you, oh, Nick wants us to turn it up because he's crazy. But the coaches the coaches are all out there talking to the players. They're going to wrap up their training camp here in just a and few minutes. And now we're golf announcers. Uh, and it looks like Anthony Lynn, the head coach of your Los Angeles Chargers, is going to make his way over to our table. Well, maybe. We don't know right now. He's addressing the guys. It looks like maybe there's some prayers going on. He's a, I think I see a prayer circle. He's addressing the ball with an open-faced sand wedge. And uh, it looks like he's going to go, it's about a 30-yard drive, mm. a 30-yard chip up onto the green. And it could be a birdie. Uh, but we got we got a bunch <laughs> coming up. We're going to get into Swamp Watch a little bit later. We're going to tell you about this pirate ship that went haywire. And, of course, we have our trending stories coming up in a few seconds as I well. hope the pirate ship happens to me when I go to the fair today. <laughs> Gary and Shannon are live today. We are at uh, Chargers Training Camp down in Costa Mesa. And, they, again, they're going to be out here through August 23rd. And your chance to come on out and see them. Go to chargers.com slash camp. It's absolutely free. See all the cool stuff out here and some games for the kids, etc. Gary and Channel will continue right after this. Gary and Shannon 
We are live in Costa Mesa at Los Angeles Chargers training camp. We are getting the all-clear message from Dayton Wright-Patterson Air Force Base after an active shooter situation this afternoon. Reports of a man barricaded inside the base hospital near Dayton began to roll in uh, several hours ago. Officials not giving any other information, but there are no reports of deaths or injuries. So thankfully, it looks like it was much ado about nothing. Uh, also, news out of the Corona area, a uh, brush fire, it looks like, at Palisades Drive, Surface Club Drive. They're responding. They do have uh, air resources that have been requested, so helicopters are on the way. A couple of streets under evacuation, so they're saying uh, if, you, if you can see the smoke, obviously, stay out of the area, let them work, and let them get this thing under control before it becomes a big issue. Well, at noon every day, we take a look at uh, social media, see what's trending, what's going on in terms of the most read stories around the country, and then we look at Blake and we say... What else is happening? Time for What's Happening. Now, the Trader Joe's in Silver Lake has reopened its doors today. This after losing a member of their family there in that barricade shootout situation that happened last week. Yeah, two weeks ago now. And the thing is, this was an emotional time. Uh, Melita Corrado was the... Uh, assistant manager who was accidentally killed in that shootout between the, the police and the murder suspect who had crashed his car just before that Trader Joe's. And then, I mean, just because it was a matter of, you know, wrong place at the wrong time, that's the store that he ran into and eventually took hostages and sort of kept the city on edge for several hours before he came out and eventually gave himself up. Molly Tibbetts is in the news. She is a missing jogger, 20 years old, college sophomore from Brooklyn, Iowa. Family members now have announced that the reward for information leading to her whereabouts is now at about $172,000. There was a report that there was a possible sighting of her in another place in Missouri, in Kearney, Missouri, and that turned out not to be her. Her mother, by the way, says that we believe Molly is still alive, and if someone has abducted her, we are pleading with you to please release her. Uh, and the the fund is set up through a local bank there. Again, it's such a small town, just 1,500 people in that small town. Well, look who it is. How exciting is this? Also trending today are your Los Angeles Chargers. Coach Anthony Lynn has joined us. He just fresh off of training camp today, fresh off of practice, just addressed the guys. Coach, thanks for joining us. I'm on. Yeah, you there on, you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much of a voice, but <laughs> yeah, it's good to be on. Because you've been yelling bad things or good things? No, man, we got the music going. It's loud oh. out there. Yeah, you're not a yeller. <laughs> trying to make it really chaotic, you know? I can count on my hand the yeah. amount of times that you've raised your voice last season on the sidelines. <laughs> you, know, you know what I learned when, when I was a player? My coach grabbed me and he put his arm around me, and he whispered something in my ear that was so intense. You don't have to yell to get your point across. No, it's so you just, true. You it's a lot go, of ways to get go your point a little, across. Go a little prison crazy and just start whispering to them. They have to pay more attention, that's <laughs> well, for sure. It's like Philip Rivers, too. He doesn't have to swear to get his point across. No, no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. So what did you like today? What did you like this week so far that you've been seeing from the guys? Just good competition. I like the depth that we have on the team. Guys competing for jobs. And, uh, you know, they're playing, they're practicing hard. Uh, you know, as they should. That's an expectation now. We don't talk about effort anymore. I don't have to coach that. Uh, the players, peer to peer accountability, they, they handle that. So it's good to watch them go out and compete. It's not perfect, but I just try to go around and keep guys loose and keep them focused on the job at hand because I don't want perfect practice. I want perfect effort. 
and I feel like that's what we're getting. Are we on pace, do you think? I mean, it's only a few days into camp here, but are, do you think we're on pace to get everything that we're going to need in place before you guys hit preseason? I think you find, find that out when you get in games, you know, and start looking at uh, guys playing real games and live situations and how they think underneath the lights. So I, I think we have we have, enough, we have enough time to figure it out, though. Yeah. Coach, big move last season. There was a lot of settling down that needed to be done just with the move on itself uh, and, and you coming in and everything like that. Do, does it feel more settled? Does it feel more stable going into this season as it did last? It definitely feels more settled. You know, everything's familiar. You know, we, our practice facility, our locker rooms, where we're working, our office, our homes, everything yeah. is more familiar. So, And we're more familiar, familiar with each other, the coaching staff, the players, and myself. So uh, I think all that can make a difference, yeah. We're talking with head coach Anthony Lynn at Los Angeles Chargers out here at training camp. So you guys just wrap up today. Is there any specific position that you are watching in these first early days that you think needs to be? you got to have a couple of guys that rise to the top so that they can really take over a position that maybe you're not quite certain how it's going to look this season. Well, I believe you build it up front, and I'm always looking at the offensive line and defensive line. So we're looking for some guys to develop in those areas. I like what I'm seeing with some of those young yeah, especially Justin uh, on defensive line. He's flashing. He's doing some things pass rush-wise <clears throat> and run-wise. Offensive line, you got some of those younger guys that are battling it out over there, but I think we need a couple of guys to step up over there. We need some depth. Coach, I don't want you to lose your voice, so last I've question already lost for it, you. So it's gone. Uh, do you prefer last season it was kind of an under-the-radar team? No one was expecting big things from the Los Angeles Chargers. This offseason, there's been a lot of talk about winning the AFC West. Do you prefer to be under the radar, or do you like to get that respect? Do you like to have that buzz with the guys this early on? You know, I, I don't mind the buzz, but at the same time, my job is to bring reality to the situation. We haven't won this division in I don't know how long. We haven't beat Kansas City in I don't know how long. You know, we didn't go to the playoffs last year, so I don't know where all the buzz is coming from and why. You know, uh, but we believe that we can do something special. This group certainly believe that. But, you know, we, we got to go out and do it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to do it. you got to do it right away. You start with Kansas City, right? Uh, right. Yeah. I, how excited are you to That's introduce right. Patrick Mahomes to Bosa and Ingram? <laughs> Welcome to the NFL, kid. That's right. <laughs> Coach, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. All guys. right. Coach All right. Anthony Lynn there, Los Angeles Chargers. We'll come back. We're going to do this crazy story, finish up our what's happening, and then the story about the pirate ship that has gone absolutely bonkers. That's coming up next on the Gary and Shannon Show, live today from Chargers Training Camp down in Costa Mesa. Gary and Shannon, we are live today, Chargers training camp down in Costa Mesa. They have just wrapped up practice for the day. And uh, we've been watching some of these guys. Joey Bosa just threw his gloves and his towel to a group of people that are standing out there waving goodbye to them for the day as they go back for their meetings and uh, run-throughs and dry runs, et cetera, that they do in the uh, afternoons here. Now, the uh, training camp is going to go through August 23rd, and uh, you have an opportunity to come on. It's absolutely free out here at the Jack Hammett Sports Complex. And uh, for information, you can go to chargers.com backslash camp just click on training camp you see all the information how you can get down here where to park what you can expect when you get here well telling you about all the trending stories going on right now you remember the case of blaze bernstein he was the teenager uh in orange county who was found buried in a shallow grave at a park in lake forest 
there was a high school classmate that was charged with murder earlier this year in the case. And today, Orange County prosecutors added a hate crime allegation against him. His name is Samuel, uh, Samuel Woodward. Strange to me that they would w- that it took that long. Yeah. I mean, I, we knew that there were uh, undertones of uh, homophobia in that murder from very early on. Um, one of the other stories that we spent a lot of time on the 10 o'clock hour today was uh, Urban Meyer. He is the uh, for, I should say, shouldn't say former. He is the head coach of Ohio State, the Ohio State football team. Now, one of the most successful coaches in football history has been put on paid administrative leave while the school investigates claims that he and maybe his, no, I should say his wife definitely, and maybe he knew about allegations of domestic violence uh, against an assistant coach years before that guy was fired last week. Now, he was fired because these allegations came out, were made public. But the accusation from Courtney Smith, who is the ex-wife now of Zach Smith, one of these uh, assistant coaches, she says that all of the coaching staff knew about Zach Smith's uh, beating her up. I think think the person that is going to fall on the sword here is Urban Meyer's wife, because there are text messages that prove that she knew that this was a battered wife, and she's a registered nurse. Urban Meyer's wife is registered nurse and is employed by the Ohio State University. So under Title IX rules, she would have to report that, and she didn't. I think we we hear from Shelly Meyer. I think she comes out and says, you know, I thought that they were going to work through it in their marriage. I didn't tell Urban about it because that way Ohio State gets to keep its most winning coach and it gets to it gets to keep dominating the Big yeah. Ten. It's not like they need to worry about her salary or anything like that. I think Urban Meyer gets paid five, no. six million dollars a year. It's all about saving face, and that's why this was swept under the rug for so long. And yeah. we've seen it happen at how many schools now? Um, Penn State, USC, some of the biggest schools with the best reputations are hiding a lot of dark stuff. Um, the founder of Papa John's is back in the news as well because he says that pizza chain does well with him as its public face. If you remember, uh, he got popped for saying a word in a, a meeting back in May. It was released in uh, in July because of Forbes magazine finally put this information out there. And then John Schnatter was uh, basically fired from his own company. I mean, the board said, you got to step down. In fact, we're going to shut down your office so you never come back and your face is not going to be used in any of our publicity. And he's saying, listen, my persona resonates with the consumer because it's authentic, it's genuine, and it is the truth. I don't think you're ever going to see Papa John's again. We told you about that plane crash where everybody survived. This was in Durango, Mexico. 103 passengers and crew. A day after that terrifying crash on takeoff, on the runway there, some people boarded a plane to continue with their travel. Some passengers spoke. How do you do that? I don't know. Some passengers spoke of of one survivor who swore never to get on another, another plane and planned to buy a car to drive back to the United States. That is just... I was going to say, the car would probably be the easier way to go. It I mean, lo- just nerves-wise. Even right. you got to drive through, what is it, from Mexico City or wherever... Where were they? Durango. They were in Durango. So from Durango all the way into the United States. I would take that over a, an hour flight. Looks like the pilot suffered the worst injury, a serious neck injury. He had a five-hour injury there, or five-hour surgery, excuse me, and was still in the hospital. 22 people remain hospitalized, but again, miraculously, no one died. All right. If you're a fan of uh, 
pirate ship rides. You know what that is, right? It's just the, the ship that goes back and forth. Sure. It swings. It's just a swing. And I'm not talking about the one that goes all the way around. And, I'm just talking about the swing. And you've got to get the seat in the back yes. on either side because right. that's where you, f- you get the most speed. Yes. Yes. The most gut tickles, perhaps. Yes, gut yes. tickles. Uh, in Kennywood, Pennsylvania, uh, there was, I should say the town is West Mifflin, but Kennywood is the, uh, is the amusement park. There was a pirate ship ride that malfunctioned. Now, the question is, how does a pirate ship like that malfunction? I mean, the worst that happens is what? It stops? I mean, that's what, that's what happens. When it comes, if the machine stops, the thing just kind of slowly comes to a, a, a yes. conclusion, right? Yes. You're done. In this case, the brakes didn't work. And what happened was the wheel kept spinning. The little <laughs> wheel that powers that ship back and forth, it keeps spinning. This is like an amusement park ride. You're terrified of this bug. Those bugs are real. It hasn't real. touched you. You've, it's like the third, second day you freaked out. Though, the size of that bug looks like if it bit you, yeah. it would take a chunk of It would be like Silence of the Lambs on your cheek right now. Has it ever landed on you? No. Okay, well, I just rest it's my cake. It's big. Yeah. In this case, this pirate ship kept going back and forth. How cool is that? A ri- because no. the worst the, the worst thing is when you're at the fair and the ride ends. And the, then you're sad because it's over. Well, that's the thing is 90 sec. These rides, maybe 90 seconds. If you're lucky, you get two minutes worth, right? In this case, it went on for 10 minutes back and forth and back and forth. Is Dana going to shoot that bug? He might. He might. That'd be he, awesome. He's out here to protect you, you know. Uh, so this thing <laughs> kept going. Uh, one kid said, I was terrified. There were people behind us panicking. The, there was a guy in front of us ready to get sick. It just kept going and going. I was crying. I was just terrified. Oh, come terrified. on. That's the same thing I heard from the plane crash survivors. If, if anything, You're on a freaking ship at a county fair. You can't figure out how to do it. All you got to do is pull the plug on that thing and stop making it go. You know what reminds me of this story is last night on Real Housewives of New York. Uh, the ladies went to Cartagena. Right, I think I know where you're going. And with this. they went to this this little um, this little house out in a remote area, mm-hmm. and they had to take a, a yacht to get there. And they had to leave early because the like, waters got very choppy. Sounds the, a lot like my life. Carol Radzewell was vomiting into a bucket, and Bethany was flying everywhere, and Luann was flying everywhere, and Sonia and Ramona were hugging and crying inside. Everyone thought they were going to lose their life on that boat. Uh-huh. Did they have EMTs to help them off the pirate ship? I mean, the boat. I don't know. They, because they, EMTs they came to pull people They couldn't film up. it anymore because it was so choppy and so the seas were so rough. It was like a perfect storm out there. You ever see that movie? Yes. And that's what it was like. I don't know if I would agree with that, but that's absolutely fine. A spokesman for Kennywood said all of this was a minor issue. Unless, of course, you were a guy on the pirate ship, I wouldn't say it was a minor issue. They said the, the ride finally stopped using what they called a secondary braking system, which... It, which was really just a one guy pulling the plug on it, and it finally came to a slow and complete stop, and everybody kept their hands and arms inside the ride at all times. So it was very nice. Riders, they said, riders that were trapped on the pirate ship can skip the ship next time if they want to. Thank you for making me not ride the one case, the one ride that broke the entire time that I was there. Coming up next, we dive straight into Washington with Swamp Watch. We will be talking about President Trump directing a vast government-wide effort to protect American elections. 
after Russian attempts to interfere two years ago. Also, Ivanka Trump is talking about some dark times, some low times in this administration. We'll tell you all about that as well. Gary and Shannon will continue live today from Chargers training camp in Costa Mesa. Gary and Shannon. Live today, Chargers training camp, Costa Mesa. Well, you know, that's a sign when they bring that giant helium balloon down. Yeah, it means the fun is over. It's like taking down the Christmas tree in January. <laughs> hey, listen to KFI all weekend long. In addition to the great shows that you will see, that you will hear, whether it's Mo Kelly or the Fork Report, you can also win tickets to the exclusive Pacific Food and Wine Show coming up on August 18th. This exclusive Newport Beach event is a food and drink extravaganza. Tickets are not cheap, but you can win them all weekend long right here on KFI. So listen, win, eat, and be merry. We went last year. Yeah, it was a good time. It, it was, was right a good there time. along the beach, walking along the beach with some food and drink in your hand. It's awesome. Um, some of the big stories that we are keeping an eye on. Uh, that strange story from earlier today, the uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base hospital had to be shut down. In fact, the whole base was in, on lockdown because of a report of an active shooter there at the hospital. They are currently working on a brush fire in the Corona area, and I've been trying to keep an eye on this. All there evacuations are, have been lifted. Yeah, this this thing, they thankfully got quickly, they got under control, mostly just a brush fire. But all those streets, Nutmeg, Juniper, Dogwood, Bayberry, Huckleberry, et cetera, that were evacuated have been lifted. So that's all... Fantastic news. Um, and then another story today that we thought might turn into something, although I guess the hope was pretty slim. The story of Molly Tibbetts, that missing University of Iowa jogger who has been gone for three weeks now. There was a report of a sighting that they were investigating. This happens with every single missing person and every single missing person's case. And I don't know why everyone seized when I say everyone, all the media outlets seized on this report unless there was some bit of credibility to it that carries more than oh i think i saw her at the abc truck stop well i think it's part of it if it because that's right it was a truck stop in missouri where they said they saw her it's investigatable it's not just somebody who's saying i thought i saw her in a blue toyota driving down i-80 they can go through and check a place with uh, surveillance cameras to see if in fact it was her. Unfortunately, it's not. They, they discounted it, saying it's definitely not her. But, uh, all right, it's 1230. It's time for us to get into the swamp. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. The White House said today that the president has directed a government-wide effort to protect our elections. This is a response, some could argue, to bipartisan criticism that there is no clear national strategy to protect the country during the upcoming midterms and beyond. This was an idea outlined in a letter that John Bolton wrote to Senate Democrats. In the letter, it says President Trump has not and will not tolerate interference in America's system of representative government. This is a much better lane to drive in than the lane of inviting Vladimir Putin to the White House. This lane says 
that the president and the administration is taking it seriously when the intelligence agencies say that Russia was able to interfere. Uh, this is this is a strong move. I mean, you've got to be able to to put up a roadblock and say clearly we are taking action. We are doing something, especially just because the I mean, the, the appearance of Vladimir Putin at the White House was never going to go over well. No. And I, I mean, Republicans were smart enough to go to the president and say, listen, you can't do this to us. We're running for re-election here or election in the first place. You cannot have this image floating around there that's just going to be fodder for Democrats against us. Especially with all the Homeland Security officials talking about efforts for that Russia has engaged in to influence the 2018 and 2020 elections. I mean, Homeland Security Chief Kristen Nielsen just said our democracy is in the crosshairs. She says we continue to see a pervasive messaging campaign by Russia to try to weaken and divide the United States. Hmm. The um, along those lines, the special prosecutor is the one that's handling this uh, this prosecution of uh, Paul Manafort in Virginia. These charges of bank and tax fraud, and they got kind of into the meat of it today in terms of the bank fraud portion of this case. Now. It's uh, accused, uh, he, Paul Manafort, is accused of failing to pay taxes on millions of dollars that he was making from his work for a bunch of Russian-friendly Ukrainian political party operatives, these oligarchs that the judge says she can't say anymore. And then when all of the money started drying up, he was lying to the banks to try to get loans to cover the story. So today... Uh, one of the bookkeepers that was involved in all of this. Someone's birthday, by the way. It's Dan Wojcicki's birthday oh. from the L.A. Times. Uh, happy birthday, Dan. Um, a bookkeeper testified that somebody, that, that Rick Gates, actually filled out paperwork to a couple of institutions, financial institutions, that said that Davis Manafort Partners, the company, the, the, the consulting company that Paul Manafort put together, that Davis Manafort Partners made $4.5 million in 2015. A bookkeeper says that's about $4 million more than they actually made. So they're laying the groundwork for the very, very basics of Paul Manafort was lying to get these millions of dollars worth of loans from these banks. Now, we said to you yesterday that the defense in this case is going to point to Rick Gates and say, he was the one who was lying. Paul Manafort knew nothing about it, that Rick Gates is the bad guy. Rick Gates, we know, has already flipped. He is uh, potentially going to testify on behalf of the prosecutors in this case. Ivanka Trump is in the news and was trending for a bit today. She calls the family separation at the border a low point for her father's administration. She was in an, at an event today, and she spoke pretty candidly about this ongoing situation. She is the special advisor to the president. And she said today, you know, immigration is an extremely complex topic, and it is. Uh, she says, especially legislation concerning illegal immigration. She reminded everyone she is the daughter of an immigrant. Her mother legally migrated from then-communist Czech Republic, where, where Nick's from. His last name actually means squirrel. Nick's name. Nick Viverka right. means squirrel. In check. Um, ultimately, she said she's <laughs> vehemently against the separation of parents and children at the border. Remember, she caught a lot of heat when this was going on, when the media was posting all the pictures of the kids in cages over the weekend. And it was Mother's Day weekend, I believe, and she posted a picture of... Of her own kid. Of her own kid, and she got a hell of a lot of heat. Oh, wasn't that nice to be able to be with your kid 
when uh, there are the, the babies in the cages at the border. Listen, I think she is a legitimate target, and she knew it when she took the job in the White House to be an advisor to her father. She knew that this something like this was possible, that that type of backlash was going to come to her. Uh, it was, I thought it was bad taste, of course, and I thought it was uh, not well um, not well targeted, but she knew it was a possibility that she was going to do this. Yeah. She also said today, and this is, we'll, we'll get to more into this uh, when we come back from the break. She also said today that she disagrees with her father and says that the media are not the enemy of the people. Okay, remember that. Because today in the White House press briefing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Jim Acosta got into it. For some reason, I, I shouldn't say for some reason, clearly Jim Acosta has been targeted by Donald Trump multiple times called him out by name for his reporting on stuff. Jim Acosta and Sarah Huckabee Sanders got into it once again today in a, an interesting uh, exchange of words over who is responsible, who uh, should wear the mantle of being an enemy of the people, and whether or not Sarah Huckabee Sanders agrees with that label. We'll talk about that when we come back. You know, and something else, little little note here on the Ivanka Trump hate People that went after her for posting a picture of her child um, when there are children at the border. She doesn't agree with her father on separating families. It's another thing she doesn't agree with her father on. Okay, so direct the hate towards the father, right? Not the daughter. Yeah. You can't inf- you can't influence what your father is going to do. I can't call up my father and say. Dad, I think you should put uh, $50 on the Chargers this week. I know you're planning on putting $50 on the 49ers, but if you know, maybe do 25 and 25. He's going to say, that's great that you think that way. Yeah, we cute. disagree. Go do your own thing and let me make the decisions I want to make. You know what I mean? It's, it's really weird that people hate her so much. For her dad's politics, because they do not ha- they do not share politics. They I do lo- not share the same thing. I love that parallel, by the way. Well, <laughs> listen, I've got children football. from their families, <laughs> and you're like, drop fifty bucks on 49ers, Dad. I I have football in the brain. It's the NFL. Uh, it's the uh, Hall of Fame game tonight. All right, when we come back, we're going to update you on that uh, that little uh, feud between Jim Acosta and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We'll continue with Swamp Watch when we come back to Gary and Shannon. That was hilarious. Okay, so just to paint a quick picture, practice has been over for 50 minutes here, and the players all left except for, I don't know, Philip Rivers, who right. stayed back to do an interview and talk to some people, and he the bus pulls up. Again, it's an hour after training camp's over. There's about 10 or 20 fans that are left hoping just for, like, a glimpse, a hello, a wave. And he walks, what, 30 yards over to the fans to go and sign autographs and take Take selfies. selfies. I mean, you don't get superstars like that. I was just saying off the air to Gary, you know, the Chargers are so lucky to have a guy like Phillip Rivers be the the, the person of the—I mean, he is such a good, salt-of-the-earth guy. And uh, he took a selfie. I mean, he's staying to talk and and sign stuff for every last fan. And that guy was so excited. there's a (laughs) grown-ass man who got a selfie with Philip Rivers, and it was like he won the lottery. It was like he won the lottery. lottery. It was incredible. He's yelling as he's walking away. That was fantastic. That's good. All right. We're live today at Chargers training camp once again. And there'll be out here 
uh, at Jack Hammett Sports Complex in Costa Mesa through August 23rd. So you can check out the schedules and see how you get here. It's absolutely free, but a lot of cool stuff for you to do, not just watch football practice, which for some people might be boring. But the quarterback challenge and the kids zone back over there, the interactive stuff that you can do, the 40-yard dash, which we'll do next hour, allegedly. And uh, a lot more coming up. So if you go to chargers.com slash camp and click on training camp, you'll see all the information. We um, have been following a bunch of stories, including today the Trader Joe's in Silver Lake that reopened. This is the Trader Joe's that was the scene of that shooting and uh, eventual hostage standoff that resulted in the death of an assistant manager at that Trader Joe's, accidentally shot by LAPD officers. Today they had a very emotional, um, I guess you would say, dedication to Melita Corrado, Melita Corrado, who was uh, killed and uh, getting back to business and getting everybody back in there for the first time since that shooting. A story I keep seeing today, and there's a big chunk of it being lost, is this match between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Oh, the million-dollar match? $10 million purse. This is going to be on Thanksgiving weekend. It's going to be a head-to-head battle. It's going to happen at Shadow Creek Golf Course in Vegas. And the thing that's getting lost is the $10 million is not going to Mickelson or Woods, it's going to charity. Yeah, but that that line is lost in all these media reports, and people are starting to lose it. Like, oh, like these guys need ten million dollars, right? Well, I mean, they I guess they both up their profile, but they're both full of um, endorsements now, anyway. So it's not. Or How do you say, up again? your profile if you're Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods? I don't know, but and here's the I'm concerned that there's going to be no competition. There's it's not going to be competitive enough if there's only two guys out there. You know, one guy goes up by five or six strokes, you're done. It's not like you're going to handicap the guy. I mean, you can't. You, if I was playing with a buddy and he got up six strokes, I'd give up. Or, no, you wouldn't. Or I'd buy him two extra beers. That's so I try exactly to level the exactly what you do. Level the playing field. Insert Tiger Woods joke here. We are in That's the middle so of Swamp Watch. What's going on in Washington D.C. And um, we, I mean, listen. President Trump has been no fan of the uh, of the media, and he's said as much from early on in the campaign when he would say things like this was the fake news media. Uh, he threatened to pull press credentials. It was just last week that he barred a CNN. I shouldn't say he. The White House barred a CNN reporter from covering an open press event. So uh, he also made reference to the media being an enemy of the people. And like we were referring to earlier, Ivanka Trump came out at the museum, I think it was in D.C., and said she disagrees with that statement. Well, it was brought up today in the White House press briefing. Jim Acosta, CNN's White House correspondent, senior White House correspondent, has been sort of at the firestorm of all, over all of this. If you remember, I think he was in Tampa just a couple of nights ago, and Jim Acosta was trying to do a live shot, and people were in the background chanting, you know, Jim sucks and CNN sucks and, you know, fake news and all that sort of thing. He um, asked Sarah to break with the president yeah. and calling the press the enemy. And she refused to do so. She said, as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection and accused the media of continuing to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in the administration. Well, listen, her response was, uh, it's ironic, speaking directly to Jim Acosta, it's ironic, Jim, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric when when they frequently lower the level of conversation in the country. And she went after this, and she has a point here, actually. She said that the media has personally attacked her. And she went back to Michelle Wolf. You remember the, the whole White House correspondence dinner? Yes. When Michelle Wolf said you um, that 
she was a traitor to her own gender uh, and made fun of her appearance, which I don't I mean, it was I thought it was just a tasteless joke. I didn't think it was painful, but Sarah Sanders did. And that's the one who matters here. She said, you brought up a comedian to attack my parents, called me a traitor to my own gender. You, and then Jim Acosta says, well, you didn't say in the course of those remarks that you just made that the press is not the enemy of the people. And she said, listen, you know my feelings on this, but she refused to back down. She doesn't believe that the media is the enemy of the people. She's got to work with these people every single day. The problem is she was uh, sticking to what the president's opinion was in these cases and in, in these tweets that he has sent out. It's a delicate dance, and it's a tough job, especially in this administration, but in every administration, to be friends with the reporters, to get them to do what you want them to do. Uh, it's a massaging relationship. you got to massage those relationships between the administration and the reporters, and she's not doing any of that. No. but And it's the you first know? time. I don't think we've ever seen somebody not do that on a regular basis. Um, I have a question, though. As a reporter, if you're Jim Acosta and you go to one of these rallies and someone's yelling at you, what do you do? Because I know what Jim Acosta did, but what would you do? Nothing. You would just ignore them? Yes. He went down and spoke to some of them. I mean, off camera, but he went down and spoke to some of them. And a lot of them, we've seen this before. People will be absolutely irate at you as a figure, but when you connect to them on a personal level... Uh, and engage with them on a personal level, how many times do they just go, oh, my gosh, you guys are the greatest. You're so fun. I didn't realize that. I didn't mean to call you that name or whatever. No, it's true. It's true. But I also don't think engaging with crazy is the right course of action. Right. But I think uh, the one thing— You don't know who these people are. But the one thing I want Jim Acosta to do, he's a smart enough guy that he can handle a conversation with these people. So what I want to see him do— is grab somebody out of that crowd, bring them up onto the dais, and actually have them, you know, have them answer questions about why it is they're yelling what they're yelling and saying what they're saying. Is that your dog? What's your dog's name, Dan? B. Arthur. I applaud that. Dan Wojcicki, columnist for the L.A. Times. He's the Chargers beat insider reporter, and he's with his dog, B. Arthur, on his birthday out here. Man, that, <laughs> that dog is hot. How come we never bring dogs to work? We you've bring never, Nick to work. You've never brought your dog to the broadcast. I can't. I would have liked to play with Ferguson today uh, out on would, the field. He would love this. You just get a little. What's the matter with you? I'm a bad pet father. Pet parent? Pet pet father? I think you could bring the dog into the office once in a while. I, I don't think I can. I don't know if you've read the rule books. Rule schmools. You Your know dog a... is small enough to put in a, to- a tote bag. This is a 25-pound dog. Whose tote bag are you putting him in? Uh, Trader Joe's has you a very br- large tote bag. You bring him upstairs. That, that, I'm not okay, carrying a 25-pound do dog upstairs. I'll do it. All right. We'll come back. We have a bunch that we're going to get to, including why it is that parents are the worst people in the world. Hey, is that dog truly 25 pounds? My dog? Yeah. Yeah, he's a thick, solid animal. Huh. He doesn't look it. You you lift him up. You've never, I've never lifted, lifted him up. Him up. You got to lift with your legs. I feel like that's crossing a line. Lifting up my dog? Well, I don't know if he wants to be lifted up. Ask him. Gosh. Set me free. I just bought a lemur. 
I'm sorry. You just said you just bought it. Sounded like you said you just bought a lemur. Well, yeah. Yesterday we decided that lemur. When I say we, I mean I, decided that the the ring-tailed lemur would be the mascot of the show. Okay. So I just procured one for our office. We do have a lemur story coming up in science. Did you know that? Yes, we do. Strange science. We'll do that later on this hour. Also, Tech Talk, Tech Talk with Mark Saltzman. Uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio now says this. Quote, there was no real-world active shooter incident. No real-world active shooter incident. What does that mean? It means in unicorn world, there may or may not. I don't know what that means. Something on a military base. Maybe a shot was fired accidentally. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that frustrates me. Why does that frustrate you? Well, early on, we said this doesn't seem like it's going to be a big deal. And I don't know why we have that indication when something like that happens. But we knew early on that this was going to turn into nothing. Yeah. Why? Why did we know that? Um, the uh, the story that we told you earlier as well about Molly Tibbetts. She's the University of Iowa student who's been missing for several weeks. There was a report out of Missouri that someone may have seen her at a truck stop. It turned out not to be true, but it was really the first uh, public break in the case that I think anyone has really seen. And for some reason, I shouldn't say for some reason, Jennifer Love Hewitt is trending on Twitter right now. Why? Because she was cast in season two of the Fox show 911. And that's a trend. That's enough, apparently, to make people trend on Twitter. That's crazy. All right. Um... <laughs> That so, was my second big sky spe- of the day. <laughs> and that's even before you've run the 40-yard dash. When are we going to do that? We've got to figure out how we're going to do this. Do you want to do this at, the, at this next break? Or yeah. you want to do it after we Let's talk with Mark Saltzman? Let's do it next break. All right. Shoes, no shoes. No shoes. All right. You got that, Nick? I want you to relay out some rules for us here. The 40-yard dash right behind us, and we're going to see. Are we doing it for time? We're doing it against each other. Against each other. Wow. You say that with quite a bit of fire right there. Speaking of competitions. One of the most popular competitions right now amongst anybody under the age of 45 is called Fortnite. You ever play it? No. Okay. Fortnite has more than 125 million people playing it across the globe. It's, it's basically 100 people in the giant cage match. Last man standing or... Last Avatar Standing wins. Yeah, in a virtual cage match. In a virtual cage match. How do you develop your skills? How does my avatar develop skills or and or weapons? Are there weapons? Never played it. Yes, there are weapons. Okay. I'm assuming, based on what I know about video games, is the more you fight, let's say you're in a, you're in a battle with 99 of your closest friends. If you're able to rack up 10 or 15 kills... You get certain number of hit points or so power it, points or like whatever it is. It's like the Hunger Games. It's exactly like the Hunger Games. Okay. Um, and then what, I don't know what you win at the end. I would assume if you're the last person, last avatar standing, you win a whole lot of points. So that when you come into the next round, you have better weapons, more strength, more resilience, whatever it is. I've got friends that have put some real money into their kids' sports training. Mm-hmm. Uh, when your kids show some real talent in baseball or basketball, football, whatever. Whatever. Private coaching. Private coaching, uh, special camps, all of this. And now we're seeing parents do this for no. Fortnite. No, we're not. Let me introduce you, Gary, to a man named Nick Menon. I want to punch Nick in the face right now. Nick Menon was happy to pay $20 an hour for his 12-year-old son, Noble, to take Fortnite lessons. 
Dad is already dreaming of a scholarship. No. Or at least some terminate money. No. Let me pull the car over. There are real world that just, scholarships no, there aren't. for video gamers. No, this, yes, there are. What you're doing is you're confusing reality with fantasy world. No, I've actually done stories on this. There's a visa program, the same way that teams get players from Japan. There are teams, video game teams, be it League of Legends or what have you, bringing in people on athlete visas from other parts of the country to come here and be on their video game teams. It's weird because I, I see your mouth making noises. I can hear it making noises, but none of what you just said makes any sense in reality. This is where we're headed. No, it's not. Staples Center was sold out in, I think, five minutes when the League of Legends tournament came to L.A., and that was two years ago. Did you go? No, I did not Did you see pictures of it? You think it was phony. I'm telling you, you, this is is not a real thing. Uh, Nick, who's the one I want to punch in the face, not this Nick, but Nick Menon that you're talking about, says that his kid used to win Fortnite very infrequently before he began taking about six hours of lessons a month. Give the kid a guitar. But Give that, the kid it, it, a baseball. Give the kid a, an empty paper bag and ask him to make a puppet out of it. But don't pay $20 an hour for him to sit and learn how to play Fortnite. I'm feeling like you're a little bit of a grandpa, get no. off my lawn person right now that's not accepting that this is where we're headed. No, no, no. This, do you want – Let me. I'm going to get a turn and face up. you here. Hold on a second. So let's assume – uh, aged Shannon, oh, sure. when she gets there, are oh, you going to eat cupcakes? Hell yeah, I'm going to eat cupcakes. Uh, it's Dan Wakey's birthday. Oh, in that case, then I'm going to take that Celebrate. one. I assume that's a lemon a little one. little bit of America. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, we appreciate Dan. it. Happy birthday. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. We're talking about my dog. Oh, of course. He's got a huge ego. Bye, B. Yeah. Arthur. Uh, wait a minute. The dog's name is B. Arthur. Yeah. And you called him a he. Well, she's kind of uh, she... mm. Have you ever seen the Golden Girls? Yeah. Dorothy is... Get a little raspy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Safe way to put it. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. I did that, too, with my uh, my daughter, Biff. Uh, anyway, okay. So we're talking about Fortnite. Now, let's assume aged Shannon breaks down on the side of the road, okay? Uh, when you're, let's say, way in your old age, like 42. And you don't want to change the tire yourself, so you call some young strapping tow company in fact, that's what it's called, is Young Strapping Tow Company, mm. to come and fix your tire on the side of the road. Now, are you going to pick Young Strapping Tow Company that's got people who actually know how to do it? Or are you going to call Young Strapping Tow Company where they can program a thing and fix a tire on a video game? I'll do whoever we, does it quickest. Okay. The, you don't want a society where young men do nothing but play video games. That's not what you want. You don't want to... I don't think that that's where we're headed. Mm. I think that there's a fraction of the society with young men who are playing video games and getting very good at it. Listen, there's real money in this because the Cokes of the world, the Pepsis of the world, they're putting real sponsorship money into these games because they're getting so many viewers. I'm never going to drink a Coke or a Pepsi again. I don't know if Coke and Pepsi are two of the big sponsors, but they are like the shoe companies. They are the the... You know, the big three, the car, the shoe, the soda. I learned that in Jerry Maguire. Here's another guy named... Show me the money, Jerry. Yuan Robinson, Robertson, has two boys, 12 and 10. And he hired his boys, a Fortnite coach, a couple of months ago, who can stay as long as the kids keep up their grades. That's the deal. You can keep your coach as long as you keep up your grades. Here's what this big pansy panty waist says. 
His name is Ewan. He's a professional, an insurance professional in Switzerland. He says, there isn't any inherent risk they're not going to break a leg playing video games. True. Couldn't it be that some people are just good at video games and proficient in them and that's going to be their sport as no. opposed to baseball? Not acceptable. Not acceptable. And so I, you don't think it's manly enough? It's not that it's not manly enough. It doesn't do anything for you. Sure it does. Tell me what it does. They could become professional athletes. No, it's not. They learn teamwork. They can become professional. That's not an athlete. I think that no, the, the don't you United go down States this road government either. begs to differ. Uh, Dale Fedegergi, a software engineer in San Jose, California, signed himself up for Fortnite lessons a few weeks ago so that he could play alongside his sons, his 11- and 6-year-old sons. And he says, they didn't want coaching. I had to take the coaching. Oh. I, didn't, I felt like taking lessons was over the edge. Um, but I don't want my dad to be better than me, says six-year-old Joel. It's terrifying. There's something for everybody, Gary. You're enabling these children, and you're going to go down the you're going to go down a bad path. Ryan Suits is weighing in. He says Rick Fox has one of the most successful teams, and that there's kids at UCLA making a million dollars per year before winnings, before tournament winnings. Have those boys? Have those guys who make a million dollars a year ever kissed a girl? Wow. Just a question. I'm just laying it out there. You know what? If you're not going to embrace the future, I don't know. I don't know if Are we can keep doing Are you doing this on purpose? This. Are you making me mad so that I'm going to beat you in this 40-yard dash? Is that, <laughs> All right. is that what you're we'll doing? We'll do that. we got to take a break. All right. And then I'm going to eat my cupcake. Hey, Nick, you might want to record this because someone's going to get their pants handed to them right here You're in all a fired up over this. Well, it's because it's like, stupid. Oh, it's this not, is not America. Enough. It is America. Not America. Gary and Shannon will continue. Mark Saltzman is going to join us. We'll do Tech Talk right after this. Well, that didn't go well. I feel like well, a big failure. Why? Because I lost. You finished the race. That's what's important. Oh, thanks. You know, you know who never would have finished that race? Who? Somebody who has a Fortnite coach. They would have fallen over. Their little brittle bones would have crumpled in the first four <laughs> steps. Their little baby bird ankles would have just dropped out from underneath them. That's what I'm saying. You've got some uh, some speed there. Thanks, coach. You don't look fast, but you are. Wow. Well, I, you did notice I let you take a bite out of that cupcake <laughs> before we ran, right? I know. I should have finished the whole thing. Nick's going to post that up on uh, Instagram. <laughs> it is? It's on Instagram right now. I'd Gary and Shannon. We... There's, some, there's a couple guys over there who work for the team, and they saw us being idiots. Yes. And uh, I finished, and I felt a little tightness in my hammies there. And I said, gosh, now I, I know how... These guys get hamstring injuries, and one of the guys says, yeah, that's why they stretch for 15 to 20 minutes before they run. Uh, we are live today at Chargers Training Camp down in Costa Mesa. That's what we just did is ran the 40-yard dash just to see, um, uh, just for, you know, giggles, stuff like that. Big stories that we have followed today. Obviously, the fire continues uh, to be the big story, the car fire up in the Reading area. And uh, what we've seen there is at least some progress being made in containment. But uh, at this point, it's still a massive, massive fire, and they still have a lot of work to do before they can say that that one is going to be out. There was also a small brush fire that erupted in Corona, but they got that thing under control pretty quickly. But, hey, Thursdays, right about this time, we get to welcome in our friend Mark Saltzman. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk. 
Brought to you by Skynet. Mark Saltzman, of course, our friend and the tech genius. USA Today columnist knows all things tech and makes them all user-friendly for people like us. <laughs> How are you, Mark? I'm good, thanks. Are we good, or is Gary going to just make fun of me being a techie, a gamer? Like, I can sense oh, where this is going that? here. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, maybe this goes into a longer conversation, Mark, but we just did a story about people who are paying yeah. for for Fortnite coaches, and I think that's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I read that, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got I got some mixed feelings about that. But uh, you know I wear my geek badge on her very proudly, so... All good. We all can't be buff and fit like Gary. And you know. <laughs> listen, I appreciate that, but I would de- I would still put my money on you to take Shannon in a forty yard dash. Hey, mm-hmm. oh come on! Let's now. win Speaking with of class. Money, <laughs> you heard Speaking about apples. Speaking of oh, money, yeah. you heard this trillion dollar market cap, the first ever U.S. company to do it. Apple hit that milestone today. Kind of had to be. Kind of had to be a tech company, didn't it? Yeah, so they Apple reached $900 million in market value back in November. So all eyes have been on them for a while on on, uh, on Wall Street. And then uh, in July, Amazon hit that $900 billion mark, billion with a B. So no surprise that Apple did forge ahead. And just before noon today, Eastern Time, they hit a share price of 207 bucks and 5 cents, which put them over... The, the market value of $1 trillion, Apple. Wow. Who would have known? Crazy. Crazy. I, I say that half-jokingly, but in the 90s, when I started this gig, Apple was not very popular. They had their niche Mac fanatics. They tried, you know, the, the Newton, a portable Palm Pilot-like device. They were not hot. And then, of course, Steve Jobs turned it around with the iPod in 20, 2001, followed by the iPhone and the iPad and the Apple Watch. And then Macs, of course, were uh, picking up steam because of this halo effect. So, And then not to mention their software, the iTunes thing and iCloud. I mean, they're just on fire. So there you go. A trillion-dollar company now. Yeah, so crazy stuff. So Apple hit a trillion dollars in market cap just before uh, 12 today. Really, really interesting stuff. So their shares, share count is almost 5 uh, trillion, sorry, 5 billion shares. And I don't know if anybody's listening that owns them, but hey, uh, good for you. <laughs> so crazy, crazy times. Did we lose them? Speaking of technology, Gary and Shannon, remote, the remote connection might have cut off here. The irony of it all. Awesome. Uh, well, I wanted to chat if I can st- chat about other stuff, or should, should we wait? What do you think? Yeah? Okay, cool. So that's the Apple story. Not much new there. That's still very cool. Um, I know you were going to probably ask me about uh, Alexa in the car. Speaking of Amazon, how they're just behind Apple and hitting that trillion-dollar market cap. So now, so we've seen a bunch of automakers try to add the very popular personal assistant in the vehicle, but with mixed success, or let's just say mixed uh, functionality. You can do a couple of things, like play your music, or maybe on an app you can ask uh, you know, to start your vehicle or lock your vehicle using your voice, but Toyota and Lexus uh, announced back in January at the Consumer Electronics Show that by the summer, they will have Alexa in their vehicles, and sure enough, it's here. 
So there's a couple of models now. The 2019 uh, Toyota Corolla Hatchback has this, as well as the 2019 Toyota Avalon Sedan has Alexa built in. And then next month, the 2019 Lexus ES. So not only can you ask to play your favorite music or your favorite audiobook or you know, the, your favorite, you know, asking sports scores and stock quotes and all that. Maybe you were a holder of an Apple one, but you can now control your smart home devices in your vehicle as well. So, hey, Mark, um, yeah, we're just on the phone right now. We're getting hey guys. everything patched back in again. Uh, do you think that Tesla, uh, as advanced as the inside of those cars is, is really going to be the winning spot? Whoever can get their little device into a Tesla is going to win this race. You know, so obviously they built, they beat uh, expectations for the last quarter, and they're they're enjoying a high right now. But it's still a bit too turbulent to know where where Tesla's going to end up on that. You would think a high tech company and a guy like Elon Musk would have the latest uh, voice enabled technology and infotainment system and all that. You know, it's not bad. You got that big beautiful screen in there with some of the models, but I, I think that it. Everyone's going to implement this at some point. It's just to, at, to what degree. So what I've been impressed with was how Toyota, they made the promise at the CES show in January. It's now on its way into multiple vehicles, and it's more than just the odd thing here and there. Will Tesla have that? Probably. And they've got probably comparable uh, technology from what I remember uh, from you know Google and, and Siri support by plugging in your phone. But this is the first time that I've seen that full Alexa support. Awesome. Well, yeah. Mark, thank you. Sorry for the little technical snap. Oh, no worries. We'll make sure that we throw up the, uh, the link <laughs> about what to look for in a dash cam that you wrote for USA Today. We'll throw that up on the website as well. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Have fun on your remote. Take it easy. You bet. Mark Saltzman there, uh, tech columnist for USA Today. You can follow his stuff uh, on Twitter, as a matter of fact, at Mark with a C, Mark underscore Saltzman. We'll get this all worked out. We'll be back with some strange science. This is why, this is why we We are out here in Costa Mesa today. It's so nice doing the show outdoors with the breeze. We should do more picnics. We should do picnics. That's a great idea. Nick, get that on the schedule. Yeah, write that down. Picnic. Defense Department scientist says those human remains provided by North Korea, remember the MIA remains, oh, yeah. are consistent with being Americans from the Korean War. Oh, good. Well, at least they're human, so that's a, that's a positive thing. I mean, there was a chance that they were going to send us a bunch of... Uh, animal bones and try to get away with it. So good. I'm glad that's a that's a positive thing. The president actually tweeted about that last night, saying uh, a big thank you to Kim Jong Un for for sending them like he said he would, and that I can't wait to see you again. Also today, Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, says it was a 911 call during a training exercise. That set off reports of an active shooter that sent a massive police and emergency responder uh, response to the base. This was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Someone did call 911 during that exercise. That included an active shooter scenario at a separate location. That's why they said there was no real-world active shooter situation. It was a training exercise. Mm. I am... uh, I got a stack of stories here that we could talk about, and they're fun... Well, and I'm, they're like, t- not tech, they're more like the science. Yeah, like nature. And- Strange science. It's alive. It's like weird science, but strange. strange. Blake yeah. won't let us do that ever again. No, he gets he tired gets of it. He gets so pissed off <laughs> when we try to fumble through strange science. Well, well, well. 
Don't call it a wolfin, everybody. Scientists are very excited about the first sighting of a hybrid between a melon-headed whale and a rough-toothed dolphin. Let's do that again. Hybrid between a melon-headed whale and a rough-toothed dolphin in the ocean off Kauai. They do not want you to call it a wolfin, though. No, that would be offensive. They say pretty much. Uh, they say calling it something like a wolfin doesn't make any sense. Yeah, dummies. I think calling it a wolfin just confuses the situation more than it already is. Wow, someone is taking their job way too seriously. <laughs> that is Robin Baird, a Hawaii uh, research biologist with the Cascadia Research Collective in your Washington state. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Time out. Mm-hmm. So he goes to school at Washington State, or he works for a school in Washington State, and his job is to be in Hawaii? Yeah. That's a pretty nice job. Yeah, I wouldn't get upset with people calling it a wolf. And yeah, if call I were it whatever you, the hell you want. A study was published last week, and scientists say the animal was spotted off Kauai August of last year. It appears to be the first record of a hybrid involving either species. So does this mean that the whales mm-hmm. and the dolphins mm-hmm. are... That's exactly what that means. That's what Robin says. That's the scientific way to put it. Melon-headed whales are generally found in very large groups of their own kind. And remember what the collective noun for lemurs is? A controversy. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Very close. Um, you know what this makes me think of? It makes me think Whales of Whales and dolphins doing it in the ocean in yeah. Hawaii? You know what that makes me think of? The sad state of affairs for our mountain lions. Our mountain lions in the Santa Monica Mountains that have to have sex with their family members. And the creatures of the sea get to mix it up with different species. You know, they, the whales see a dolphin they like, and they're like, hey, let's make it happen. Where, but, but, where our mountain lions yeah. are screwed. Yeah. Not literally, because they it's not like they could look at a bobcat and go, me how? Right. Because they just, that's not going to work. It's just not a fair world. Um, one of the two creatures, they said, had a head that was neither one, not a dolphin and also not a melon-headed whale. So they said, what the heck is going on? It generally, according to Dr. Baird, had a gently sloping beak, but much shorter than normal rough-toothed dolphins. Toothed dolphins. So what they did was they collected a skin sample. And said that it had the mitochondrial haplotype of a melon-headed whale, which, I mean, it's, they say it's a whale, but it's technically a dolphin. Which means that the mother was a melon-headed whale, which is technically a dolphin. And the father was a rough-toothed dolphin, which is also technically a dolphin. Hey, did you ever use millipedes when your kids had tummy aches? No, I used a lot of stuff. I tried Jack Daniels uh-huh. um, for just about everything. Toothaches, uh, teething pain, upset stomach, rash. Stubbed toe. Just rub a little jack on it. Bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Rub a little jack on it. Well, lemurs use millipedes. Do you know what the collective noun for lemurs is? A conspiracy. You got it. Uh, this being the official lemur show of record. <laughs> you almost forgot. I, I know. Just said it. I know. This being, yes, the official lemur show you of record. You do not get to make it? fun of my early onset dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Madagascar's front, red-fronted lemurs. Ooh, not the ring Not the ring These are the lemurs with the red front. They use millipedes. They say that this is a little secret tool in nature's cabinet. Millipedes helps uh, prevent conditions like itching, weight loss. Uh, it helps protect against parasites is what it does. 
what they do. I guess I don't understand this, but lemurs have a habit of rubbing foreign objects over parts of their bodies. Yeah, like spider monkeys. Oh, yes. So they say that this this action of self-anointing, they believe the animals do this as a form of communication, but also to remove toxic substances before ingestion as a way of self-medicating. That's an, that's a terrifying way to do this. Hey, who would you rather be? The person that's in Madagascar studying how lemurs take care of parasite problems? Yes. Or the guy from rainy Washington State that gets to hang out in Kauai and check out wolfins? I just... <laughs> I think either one of those is an okay job, but I my picture of the guy in Madagascar watching the lemurs is that he's in a rainforest somewhere and he's just constantly wet. Just and he's into a tree, he's got mm-hmm. like a bad plasticky rain jacket on, mm-hmm. watching lemurs rub bugs on their bodies. Whereas in Hawaii, the guy is sitting there with a drink with an umbrella in it and his feet are up. And all of a sudden, he sees some heads pop out of the water, and he's like, what? Did you guys see that whale-headed, melon-headed whale, which is technically a dolphin? Yeah. That's what, it's a different, that's what I picture in my it's head. A different, it's a different environment, but the same kind of thing. You know, research. How come we don't get one of these research, <laughs> research. gigs? Yeah. We are researching right now uh, football. Oh, we are. Empty, That's true. <laughs> empty football fields. That's true. And we're at L.A. Chargers training camp. Training camp will continue through August 23rd. You can find out more about Los Angeles Chargers training camp when you go to chargers.com backslash camp. Click on training camp and see all the stuff that you can uh, check out while you're out here, including the 40-yard dash that we did. By the way, if you go to Instagram and look up at Gary and Shannon, we have uh, the video of the uh, the race that we just partook in. You still sore from that? No, I'm okay. Right. Did you know what a teach bird is? You can say it differently than that, but I... I'm not going to because I'm erring on the side of caution. Just because you're if not sure if you If we were back at the station, I would say <laughs> it, but we're at another place of business. All right. You, know, you got to class it up a little bit when you're around the chargers. You can't be all crazy. All right. you got to stick to teat. We'll get into that. We'll also uh, replay for you a quick conversation that we had when we grabbed uh, head coach Anthony Lynn off the sidelines. And I was realizing it was a quick conversation because his voice was gone. Yes. And I did not feel yeah. the need for us You're right. to ask clowns to, to take <laughs> it away further. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue Sorry. in just a moment. I think <laughs> we found just, a new name for the show. Nick just scolded me with yeah. his eyes. Yeah, that was a, and his face is red, too, even though he has nothing to be embarrassed about. <laughs> Gary Shannon. Listen to this. There was a standoff in Channel View, Texas at a daycare facility. Several women, I mean, sorry, several children in there. He surrendered after several hours of negotiations, barricaded inside the attic, so SWAT was able to get in and get the kids out of there. Deputies had been in a pursuit with the guy. And uh, that's when he ran into the daycare. Wow. That's terrifying. Could you imagine your kids are in there? Could you imagine going up against a SWAT team in Texas? Oh, yeah. That's just a bad idea. <laughs> a bad call. I mean, the, the, uh, the deck is stacked against you at that point. Uh, we're also following the story that uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Hospital was on lockdown this morning in Dayton, Ohio. Right after the show started, as we first started getting word of this, guess what? Nothing. Nothing. We both knew it was nothing, too. Why, though? I... I 
Um, what because, about it? Because it was at a base, and it's easier for there to be a false alarm at a base where people are armed and doing drills constantly. I, I think that's what went in my calculus of having that reaction. We are in the middle of a uh, strange science. We talk about stories that are just absolutely crazy when it comes to uh, the world of science. Have you ever heard of the great teat bird? Mm, you think you're pronouncing it wrong, but I've heard of something I'm like stick that. to teat. It's a common European songbird. Is that the one you're talking of? Absolutely. Okay, it yeah. sounds like this. Isn't that lovely? Oh, yes. Then yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Biologist at Lund University in Sweden. Oh, that is a peaceful sounding bird, isn't it? The great teat. A recent study has shown yeah, that... Again, I just want to connect your, connect, correct your pronunciation on that. I think you're... I'm not going to say that word. The great teat uh, has apparently tremendous capacity for self-control. Up until now, such impulse control has been primarily associated with larger, advanced animals with far larger brains than the great teat. The great teat's ability for self-control is almost the same as that of ravens and chimpanzees. Okay, what are they controlling, though? Is it they're controlling their appetite so they don't eat too much? Yeah, the, the biologist placed food in a small, translucent cylinder. Mm. The great teats that started pecking at the cylinder to get the food failed the test as the behavior was considered an impulsive act. Those that, on the other hand, moved to an opening in the cylinder and thereby were able to access the food without pecking at the cylinder passed the test. Wow. And it looks like... 80% of the time, the great teats were able to peck the correct way. Okay, so for the last time, I think you're saying it incorrectly. So if you want to go back and, and did you, I'm going to give you one more chance. No. Okay. Uh, they also found that those birds can observe at a distance and actually memorize where uh, species that store food hide their treats. So they're sneaky little uh, things as well. Birds. Sneaky little, sneaky little birds. Great teats. Yes, they are. Uh, did you also see the story about the uh, Bermuda Triangle? No. So uh, the, obviously, the Bermuda Triangle has always been legendary in terms of uh, swallowing up ships and airplanes get lost there, etc. Experts at the University of Southampton say that the mystery can be explained by a natural phenomenon known as rogue waves. There was a, a model of the USS Cyclops, they say, that went missing back in 1918. 300 lives were lost when that ship was lost. They don't know where it went. I mean, literally, they don't know. But they're saying because of the size of this ship and the flat base, it didn't take long before a rogue wave overtook the model. Um, the Cyclops was a coal-carrying ship used to ferry fuel to American warships during World War I. On its way from uh, El Salvador to Baltimore when it vanished back in 1918. And they said that the, that area of the Atlantic Ocean can generate 100-foot rogue waves, which would easily overtake a ship in the, even of that size. So like the waves that we saw last night on the Real Housewives of New York? That is pretty close to what I was getting at, but yes. Hey, a little bit earlier we had an opportunity to uh, sit down with uh, Los Angeles Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, this is what that sounded like. Coach, thanks for joining us. I'm on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
I don't have much of a voice, but <laughs> yeah, it's good to be on. Because you've been yelling bad things or good things? No, man, we got the music going. It's loud oh. out there. Yeah, you're not a yeller. <laughs> trying to make it really chaotic, you know? I can count on my hand the yeah. amount of times that you've raised your voice last season on the sidelines. <laughs> you, know, you know what I learned when I, when I was a player? My coach grabbed me and he put his arm around me, and he whispered something in my ear that was so intense. You don't have to yell to get your point across. No, That's so you just, true. You a lot go, of ways get go a little across. go a little prison crazy and just start whispering to them. They have to pay more attention. That's <laughs> well, for sure. It's like Philip Rivers too. He doesn't have to swear to get his point across. No, no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. So, what did you like today? What did you like this week so far that you've been seeing from the guys? Just good competition. I like the depth that we have on the team. Guys competing for jobs, and uh, you know they're playing, they're practicing hard. Uh, you know, as they should. That's an expectation now. We don't talk about effort anymore. I don't have to coach that. Uh, the players, peer-to-peer uh, accountability, they, they handle that. So it's good to watch them go out and compete. It's not perfect, but I just try to go around and keep guys loose and keep them focused on the job at hand because I don't want perfect practice. I want perfect effort. And I feel like that's what we're getting. Are we on pace, do you think? I mean, it's only a few days into camp here, but are, do you think we're on pace to get everything that we're going to need in place before you guys hit preseason? I think you find, find that out when you get in games, you know, and so looking at uh, guys playing real games and live situations and how they think underneath the lights. So I think we have, we, have enough, we have enough time to figure it out, though. Yeah. Coach, big move last season. There was a lot of settling down that needed to be done just with the move on itself uh, and, and you coming in and everything like that. Do, does it feel more settled? Does it feel more stable going into this season as it did last? It definitely feels more settled. You know, everything's familiar. You know, we, our practice facility, our locker rooms, where we're working, our office, our homes, everything yeah. is more familiar. So. And we're more familiar familiar with each other, the coaching staff, the players, and myself. So I, I think all that can make a difference, yeah. We're talking with head coach Anthony Lynn at Los Angeles Chargers out here at training camp. So you guys just wrap up today. Is there any specific position that you are watching in these first early days that you think needs to be? you got to have a couple of guys that rise to the top so that they can really take over a position that maybe you're not quite certain how it's going to look this season. Well, I believe you build it up front, and I'm always looking at the offensive line and defensive line. So we're looking for some guys to develop in those areas. I like what I'm seeing, some of those young guys, especially Justin uh, on defensive line. He's flashing. He's doing some things pass rush-wise <clears throat> and run-wise. Offensive line, you got some of those younger guys that are battling it out over there, but I think we need a couple guys to step up over there. We need some depth. Coach, I don't want you to lose your voice, so last I've question for you. I've so it's gone. <laughs> uh, do you prefer, last season it was kind of an under-the-radar team. No one was expecting big things from the Los Angeles Chargers. This offseason, there's been a lot of talk about winning the AFC West. Do you prefer to be under the radar, or do you like to get that respect? Do you like to have that buzz with the guys this early on? You know, I, I don't mind the buzz, but at the same time, my job is to bring reality to the situation. We haven't won this division in I don't know how long. We haven't beat Kansas City in I don't know how long. You know, we didn't go to the playoffs last year, so I don't know where all the buzz is coming from and why. You know, uh, but we believe that we can do something special. This group certainly believe that. But, you know, we, we got to go out and do it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to do it. you got to do it right away. You start with Kansas City, right? right. Yeah. How excited are you to introduce right. Patrick Mahomes to Bosa and Ingram? <laughs> Welcome to the NFL, kid. That's right. <laughs> Coach, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. All guys. right. Coach All right. Anthony Lynn there, Los Angeles Chargers. There you go. That was a nice uh, nice visit from the coach there. Yeah, it was I pretty did, quick. I didn't want to keep him that long because <laughs> of his uh, – 
because of his voice. Uh, we've been out at Los Angeles Chargers training camp. And we've had an absolute blast out here. Check it out. Chargers.com slash camp. Uh, click on training camp. You'll see all the cool stuff that you can do out here while you're watching these guys practice. A reminder, um, if you go to Instagram at Gary and Shannon, we have our 40-yard dash on there from a little bit earlier in the day today. And um, a flex show tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be an interesting show. So Brian Suits in for John and Ken today. John and Ken uh, are out tomorrow, so Brian Suits is going to be in for Gary and Shannon tomorrow. Yay! Hey, there you are. And uh, and then we're going to be in for John and Ken tomorrow afternoon. So We've never done the John and Ken show. I don't know. I'm we'll going to trot out their naked desk. That, it's a bad idea. Brian, what are you going to talk about today? Oh, that was a drop of me. I'm not really on yet. Oh, well, in that uh, case. Did you guys know, listen to this amazing figure. Okay. The, what percentage of eligible voters in L.A. County are registered? Mm. Ooh. Percentage of voters in L.A. County that are registered. Who are eligible. Eligible Correct to register. Correct answer, 112%. Uh-oh. That seems like a lot. Seems like, in fact, <laughs> too much. Too many. Ah. Hats off to you, L.A. County. So, well, we're, we burned a call under Dean Logan. I'll talk oh. about it here when we come. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dean yeah. Logan from Dean. King County who handled that recall so well. Dean, Dean returns your phone calls, doesn't he, Brian? The sure Christine does. Gregoire. Sure does. Yeah, unless there's a tote bag in it, he doesn't call anyone but public radio. <laughs> One of you should remember who did that election what? with the recount. Christine with, Gregoire. And who was the other person? It was a guy. Dino Rossi. Oh, Dino Rossi, that's right. That's right. All right. Brian Suits in for John and Ken today. We'll see you tomorrow, Brian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Stay dry. And so we come to the end of another fun-filled episode of... Gary and Shannon.